Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. Manny Aurora, the Aurora Law Firm, or as many of you now know him as Mad Dog Manny Aurora, when he stops into the Golden Scissors studio, he is the best when it comes to criminal law. If you got any troubles and you need somebody, reach out to the Aurora Law Firm. The AuroraLawFirm.com, all right? Located in Atlanta, Georgia, but practices nationwide. Now, if you got a question for Manny when he pops into the Golden Scissor Studio, you can call our hotline at 404-369-3825 or shoot us a message from our website, podcastthebs.com. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs an ear, and that's why Dr. David Markwell and Ridgeline Counseling are the best at what they do. Ten different therapists who work with Dr. David Markwell at Ridgeline Counseling. If you're in the Georgia area, East Cobb, Marietta, near the Square in McKaysville, right outside of Blue Ridge. And they assist with a wide variety of behavioral health issues like anxiety, depression, relationship issues, parenting issues, trauma, substance use issues, etc., Offering virtual sessions. If you can't get to the Georgia stops, the website, markwelltherapy.com. Again, markwelltherapy.com. Fall is right around the corner, and the leaves will begin to, well, fall. Nobody likes the hassle of cleaning out those gutters. That's where Inspect All Pest Services comes in. They do gutter cleaning, gutter toppers to keep those gutters clean year-round, and full gutter replacement. In addition to gutters, they also do pressure washing to keep your house and driveway looking brand new. Inspect All Pest Services. Call them today, 770-483-2420. 770-483-2420. Mention the BS. Receive 10% off your gutter or pressure washing needs. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. <laughs> and by God, this is the BS. All right, there it is, episode 90 of uh, the BS. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissors studio, beautiful Roswell, Georgia. Well, sponsored by Watkins Law Firm. WatkinsLawFirm.llc. 770-648-4009. Trial, litigation attorneys, your personal injury, wrongful death attorneys. That would be Tyler Watkins and crew. WatkinsLawFirm.llc, 770-648-4009. Nader Taterbaters in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Hello, buddy. Hola, como estas? How you guys doing? Good. Uh, Brandon and the Newton Georgia Zelensky Studios, B-Man Thrasher, at your service. Hey there, everybody. How's it going? How are you, Lawyer Brandon? Yum, 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 yum. Then the beautiful, vivacious Nikki D, talented Nikki D, uh, is here. Is she wearing, you're wearing a typical T sweatshirt. I just noticed that. I am. Yeah. I'm cold. Yeah. Well, you, you took advantage of the merch store. I like that. Absolutely. I like that. I, I just bought a new tote. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, that's where I, I, I put my BS t-shirts in for people when I'm out. So I have a BS bag. It's a BS tote. Did you just see, uh, I got the dogs. I got <laughs> King Henry and Petunia <laughs> down here with me in the Golden Scissor studio. My son, his, well, he and his girlfriend brought me a Boba Fett or gave it to me when I saw him when we were down in Florida. He uh, he got me a Boba Fett Build-A-Bear. Uh, oh, nice. Isn't that nice? Isn't that like the sweetest yeah. thing in the world? Oh, thank you. You can put it here. And then my daughter went to Starbies and brought, is this pumpkin? Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's right. They got pumpkin now. And a pumpkin scone, I tried it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it pumpkin season already? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's pumpkin season. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. Uh, yeah, it's pumpkin season. So, you know me and pumpkin. I'm pumpkin everything. You name it. If there, I think there should be more pumpkin. There should be pumpkin toothpaste, pumpkin shampoo. I'm going to reach out. And if anybody wants to help start this campaign, it might be too late. I don't know how this works. I think there should be a pumpster, a pumpster. <laughs> a, oh, that's pump. Brandon. <laughs> a pumpkin monster energy drink. I no, think that's too far. It's not too far. It's what if you could, I, you can have fucking pumpkin coffee, but you can't have a pumpkin monster energy drink. No, I don't think I want a pumpkin energy drink. Pump like pumpkin and spice or pumpkin and vanilla or pumpkin. And no, no, is there another fruit that pumpkin goes with? If it was the cold ones, like the cold Starbucks drinks, yeah, but not the the actual um, acid. Like, no, 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 no. What you, acid? I'm not drinking acid. Yeah, I'm. You mean the the carbonation that's in those? I don't think pumping goes with that. What I'm trying to say is the lava that's in those cans that you drink. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. After you go and chew on glass. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> Acid. Doesn't that sound did, good? Um, Does it sound yeah. good? Pumpkin uh, energy drinks? Yeah, I don't really like energy drinks, but they did do a, Bud Light did a pumpkin seltzer last year, I think. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely freaking brilliant. Uh, so that, that that's pretty cool. All right, uh, so my trip to Florida was was fun, was a blast. You got to finish telling them real quick about Henry because that was hilarious. Oh, yeah. So Henry, <laughs> so I got a couch, which, you know, if you're, most of the shots that we use in the video stuff you can't see, but there's a couch next to uh, the studio setup, and so my Boba Fett Build a Bear is on there, and Henry was down here, and I, he hadn't seen it yet, so thank you, Nikki's going to grab it, and he's just staring at it because he knows it's something new, <laughs> and he was about to pounce, and Toon Tunes is behind him. Like, I got your back, brother. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, wanted to jump on the couch, but he was easing his way, and then he he slipped and fell and got too close, and he, he backed up. He's like, what the heck is that? <laughs> I was just getting ready to record him, and then they, they zipped out of here. They were like, we're out of here. Isn't this really sweet? Because his girl, so <laughs> Caleb no longer works at Build-A-Bear. We, we had some troubles there. So he's gone on to his next job, which is at a, a, a smoke shop. Which is a good yeah. place. Yeah, it's a good place for him. Even though he just had a workplace injury where a screw went through his leg. <laughs> and he had oh, to God. go to the hospital. <laughs> Poor kid. But isn't this sweet? She still works at Build-A-Bear, and they made this for me. Uh, I, I just thought that, I just think that's really sweet. Yeah. You know, it's just very, very nice. And he brought me, he still thinks I watch DVDs, which is fine. 
Um, he, <laughs> he got on Blu-ray. <laughs> he got he got me Grease two on DVD. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Do you have a DVD player? I do. It's not hooked up, but I I uh, do. I do. Yeah. I've had a couple people get me DVDs over the last couple of years, and I was less. It's 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 not even you know it's appreciative because it's thoughtful and it's nice but it's yeah. it's it's not it's not they're, they're not like old enough to be like oh man where'd you find this and they're still new to be like well it's kind of outdated <laughs> you know? yeah well i was gonna get you grease one on laser disc but i guess that ruined my christmas present <laughs> it, it's kind of in technology purgatory right now <laughs> you know it's like in the middle yeah i came back with uh also uh nikki can you grab the belt too when you come back Thank you. Damn thing's heavy, ain't it? Yes. Yeah, you can hold it up. You can hold it up. Watch, watch the pumpkin thing. Uh, look at that. Fantasy football champion. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a back-to-back champion, and I hadn't drafted. Because I went down there. The whole reason me going down there was for me to draft with, with my fellas, these guys. We've been doing this league since we figured it out, 1996. 1996. Wow. You know, CB, we just started on CBS in 2001. So there's only history like archives since 2001, but we were doing it 96, you know, where you had to wait until Tuesday to find out who won because you had to watch, you had to read the box score in the newspaper after Monday night football. <laughs> I mean, that's like, <laughs> your league is older than Brandon. It is. Yeah, for real. Brandon, when were you born? What year? 99. <laughs> I've been playing fantasy football longer than Brandon's been alive. <laughs> How about that? You know, and it's cool to see what it's become. You know, it's it's a multi-billion dollar business now. Uh, I, I wish that I would have been more of a fantasy. I wish I would have dedicated my life to fantasy football. Like, I listen to these guys on Sirius XM that have fantasy football shows. And every single one of their shows... From the morning show to the night show, I think they're great. I th- they they are real. They're not only entertaining to listen to, but they're good broadcasters. And that's coming from a guy who's been in the business for a minute, right? You know, yeah. most of the time, radio people are like, "Oh, they suck," because I'm the best. You know, I'm not like that. These guys are good. You know, there's a dude that does mid uh, a midday show. His name's Jeff Ratcliffe. And he does it by himself for four hours and talks fantasy football five days a week. That's fucking amazing. Like, and it's interesting and it's compelling and it's it's funny. It's entertaining. Uh, it's That's inf- hard. It's inf- it's, it's, it's <laughs> really hard. That's hard. <laughs> I would just say that one of the the producer that I wanted to hire before I was fired works for those guys. Oh. Yeah, so that's I was like, if you've worked, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to hire him, because I said, if you work with those guys, and I'm a fan of those guys, then you've got a good pedigree, right? Because I guarantee what they want in a producer is probably something similar. I'm going to be asking for, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that didn't happen. Thank God it didn't happen because he would have been miserable where he's at right now. <laughs> like we talk every once in a while, and I'm like. Dude, good for you. You know, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> there's a couple people that I threw names out there and I'm like, I'm, I apologize. I've sent, I sent them edible arrangements apologizing. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was led, uh, I was led astray. So, um, I brought Caleb. Well, I forgot it. So I had to order it again, but I, I bought him the, there's the star Wars 50th anniversary. Is that right? 50th anniversary of star Wars coming up. Um, they have a 
fiftieth. Uh, really? Yeah. What is it? I thought it was know, like I'm sorry. I thought it was like the late. Can I? I, mean, I guess maybe. Can I ask you to go look at that Star Wars uh, packaging? I'm sorry. It's the last thing. Uh, it, what does it say? Is it fifty or forty? It's fifty, right? Seventy. Fifty. Yeah. Se- yeah. Fifty. Seventy. It'd be. No, no, Seventy-seven. No. That wouldn't be fifty. Um, that's fifty. The forty-five. The first one. The first one. It says fifty, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, it's wrong. It's forty-five. Makes it even. Star Wars ca- makes it even better then. If it's wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be worth money in five years. Yeah, that's what I'm screaming. So one of our one of our listeners uh, posted this on, on I think the the two percenters Facebook group. Which I, I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, but thank you for doing this. And they said the Hobby Lobby in somewhere in Georgia has these 50th anniversary George Lucas Stormtroopers, right? Made by like Kenner, like in the, in the, the original, like kind of old school boxes and stuff. I got to have it. So I'm going to the Hobby Lobbies by my house. They don't know what I'm talking about. And then I had to make a decision. I go, well, do I, I didn't even bother looking at my phone yet. I'm sure you can find it, you know, and order it from somewhere. But that's when you're, when you're doing, like when you're looking for action figures and stuff like that, you want to try to find them like the old school detective work. I, I want it to be nostalgic because I don't do this often, right? I don't go out and look for action figures. I wanted this one action figure. So when I was a kid, my mother would drive all over creation for me. She would drive to Kitty City in Glen Burnie, Maryland, to the Toy Warehouse in Annapolis, over to the Annapolis Mall and to KB Toys. We would hit up every toy store just to find that one action figure. There was a sneaky Sears in Annapolis that we would go to that have the the Star Wars. You know, people wouldn't realize that they had Star Wars action figures on the bottom shelf. And I would hide them if I couldn't buy them at the time and stuff. And I hide them in the stores. I hide them in the women's department, you know, like so nobody would find them. <laughs> that's how, that's how, that's, that's how, how it used to be. That's how it used to be, right? Me and my dad did that for my Teddy Ruxpin because they were sold out everywhere. And we drove all over trying to get me a Teddy Ruxpin. But that's part of the, that's part of the, the story, the fun. the fun. Yeah. You know, you look back now and you're like, I had a Teddy Ruxpin. That's great. Yeah. But that's not what was good. That's not the good stuff. The good stuff was being in the car with dad. Dad riding around, in and out the store looking. Dad probably bitching a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, Damn, how many people bought this stupid thing? Right. And exactly. But, you know, your dad would say the same thing. That's the good stuff. Yep. You know, yep. that's the good stuff. So I ended up go buying it online. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up going on to Amazon and buying it. <laughs> yeah, I mean? I'm I'm reading it's uh, 50th anniversary of Lucas Films, not Star Wars. There you go. All right. That, that's- yeah. So that's why the stormtrooper is George Lucas, you know, in with the mask or whatever, because it's the 50th anniversary of that. Okay. Well, and it's a little bit bigger than the normal action figures were, uh, but I bought two: one for myself and one for my son. And I was going to take it with me to Florida and surprise him and give it to him. And he's, he's come a long way. He's doing really, really well, and I'm very proud of him, and I love him so much. And, and it just it, it fills my heart to see that he's advancing in life, um, and he's finding his way. He hasn't found it yet, but he's finding his way. And so uh, we have this relationship you know, now that we did not have in the past where we talk music and we talk uh, Star Wars and, and, and we talk Disney Channel Star Wars stuff, and we find the things that we have in common – 
and we talk about them. And, yeah. And that's, that's the good stuff too, right? So it's like, I'm going to bring him this. Well, we get about halfway down to Florida. We're about three hours into the trip, and I just go, oh, shit. <sighs> you always forget something, right? Every road trip, you always forget something. Mm-hmm. Never fails. Fuck! So I was like, Rage, can you go on Amazon and order me one of these and just have it get it sent to his house? So I had to. So it wasn't as the big pop that I wanted it to be, but still, it was good. And then on our way back, I forgot my uh, my security camera in the condo. So thank uh, God he was still there because you know I take a security camera everywhere I go. I had no idea that you did that. Mm-hmm. So Brandon doesn't. He thinks it's stupid. Yeah, he, he put it in Brandon's oh. room. <laughs> no, he watched me all your sleep. No, it, no. <laughs> It, it was in the living room where they would at sometimes sleep instead of using their room when we were in Mexico. <laughs> but don't you think that's smart to have a mobile security cam that you just you, you put in there in case somebody comes in? I just think that's some, one of those over the top things that you, you know, will probably complain about if somebody else did it. No, no, no. It's well, why would I complain if somebody else did it? Because sometimes you complain about other things that people do that you feel might be over the top. But no. to me, carrying around a security camera everywhere you go could be a little over the top. I don't carry it around everywhere I go. It's only when I go on, you know, like if I'm staying at a hotel. I'll tell you why I do it. And I think I've told this story before. There was a girl that I knew. I dated for a minute uh, years later. And her and her boyfriend at the time. This was a big story. Like in 2009, 2010, I want to say. And her and her boyfriend were at Planet Hollywood in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And her boyfriend was downstairs gambling. She was tired. She came up for a nap or something. And she lays down. She changed. did all the things. And she's she's beautiful, beautiful girl. And she just had this weird feeling that somebody was watching her. And she opens up the fucking closet. And there's a guy in there watching her. And she runs out of the room. And the guy got arrested. And it was a whole big to-do. You know, so like if somebody were to sneak into wherever it is that we're staying, I got a notification on my phone <laughs> and I get to see them, you know, and I also use it if we take the dog. We didn't take the dogs with us this time, but when we take the dogs with us, we want to keep an eye on the dogs. Nate, you can appreciate that. Keeping an eye on your dog. Yeah, I do bring one with me just mainly for the dog uh, if we're out and about because you don't want them barking when you're gone and then the then somebody complains and you get in trouble at the front desk and everything like that. Because actually, I don't know if you've ever read any any hotel that you stay at that's pet friendly. Most of them say you cannot leave your dog in the room. They say it can stay the night there, but you if you leave the room, you have to bring it with you. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So they, I guess it's a way for them to find you if it starts barking when you're gone or something like that. So yeah, I always bring a a camera with me for that reason. We we had that problem years ago. We were staying at the was it the Royal Pacific Hotel on Universal Property, and they're Lowe's. They're all Lowe's hotels on Universal Property, and Lowe's hotels are very dog friendly. You know, they give you a, a little dog bowl and treats and stuff when you check in. And uh, I think this was Rick or Dickers actually. And we went in, and, and then we left. No camera at the time. And the, the hotel calls and was like, dude, your dog's barking crazy. He's like, you got to come get your dog. I'm like, we're in the park right now. Like, really? Like, yeah, your neighbors are complaining. It's a dog-friendly hotel. Yeah, it's a dog-friendly hotel, but that doesn't mean your dog can bark all day. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we had to go and get the dog and chill it out and whatnot. So the trip was good. It was really good. Uh, New Smyrna Beach is cool. A little beach town if you've never been. 
uh, total flub on the Artemis rocket thing. You know, we made a, a whole top three out of it this week, you know, top three songs in space because the rocket and the, the, the thing was scrubbed on Monday. Thought we were going to see it when we, when we were driving back. Uh, but a couple of things that I wanted to point out is, is this trip was to see a group of guys that I adore that I absolutely love. These, these are the real good friends in my life. Some of them, and I, I only get to see him usually once a year. And, you know, I talk to him throughout the year, but I see him only once a year. And it's that two hours of drafting our fantasy football team means the world to me because it's just like old times. You're ribbing each other. Nobody's getting overly butthurt about a joke. You know, we're making fat jokes on people, stupid jokes on people. There's no politics. There's, there's none of that stuff. It's just good old school dude locker room humor. And it's very hard to find that with people because people are so sensitive. They might say they're not sensitive, but they're sensitive. Not once have we had this draft and afterwards somebody goes, you know what, man, that guy was a little bit too much this year. <laughs> they probably yeah, did. They, you just don't know about it. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say they say that when they get home. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, I got to meet up with my old boss. Uh, that uh, I worked for for a very long time at, at iHeart. She's now semi-retired. She owns a really cool wine bar in New Smyrna Beach called the Crimson House. If you ever go down there, stop by and get some wine. But it was good to see her. Um, I think the world of this woman, I, I really do. Her name's Linda Bird. She's a very important person in the radio industry. She uh, is a is a is a woman that... While working for her, I always wanted to impress and prove my worth, and I don't think I ever accomplished that. <laughs> and it's it, 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 it's one of those spots that, that crushes me, you know. Why do you think that? It's for numerous reasons. It's not important here, but it's just numerous reasons. Like, it, this is one of those women that mean a lot, like, that she was a mother figure to me. She... I, I it, it, she wasn't like a she wasn't a boss right she was just awesome so that's why I'm watching you be almost you're almost teary eyed about this while you talk about it so it would seem to me if you guys had that type of relationship sure she was proud of you why would you think she wasn't because we did not we did not have, I had that relationship in my head oh you made it up no I didn't make it up it, it was real uh, but it, it was just wasn't reciprocated that I felt it wasn't reciprocated yeah okay sure yeah I wanted it. It just never happened. Okay. All right. Hence, one of the reasons I left Orlando. (laughs) That was one of the reasons. But it was good to see her and not in that environment. And we're just two adults talking some old times and telling her stories. And it was very interesting. Some of the stories that I told her, I was hesitant because I didn't want to come across as the, uh, oh, it's everyone else's fault but mine type of deal. You know, because that's not the way I put it. But some of the things were like. Oh, you know about that person? Mm. Oh, I, I I didn't know that. I was like, oh, I guess so. You know, the, the, it's the industry. Everybody kind of knows a little something there. Uh, we we after our draft, we ended up uh, getting some food in New Smyrna Beach. Just again, a little beach town thing, and then the drinking started. I can't remember the last time I had that much to drink. I was in rare form. I was karaoke 
this nice Middle Eastern beach bum man asked me to sing backup on uh, My Way by Frank Sinatra, so I obliged, and I was up on stage with this gentleman. Rachel's got footage of this that I told her she cannot share on social media, but if you guys would like to see it, I'm sure I definitely would. she would let you see it. I, <laughs> I crushed. She said it wasn't my best performance because I, I was slurring a little bit, but I crushed Baton Rouge, Colin Baton Rouge from Garth Brooks. She says, I did own the stage. I had very good stage presence. She okay. goes, wait, wait, wait. Your, your wife came to the boys' night at the bar? So, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you're that guy. Hold on, hold, guy. on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. She wasn't there at the beginning. She came later. She was up in Merritt Island with our friend Kelly. And then all the fellas love her. Because she's the wife that I think a lot of them want. Rachel's a cool chick. Like, she can hang with the fellas. She's not Judgy McJudgerson. She does, you know, she's just a cool chick that can hang. And she does all the bad stuff, right? Like, like the dudes. So they don't mind her being there. Now, here's why I take her. This isn't your typical fella trip. Like, we don't spend every day together. This is why I take her. So about five years ago, six years ago, when the draft was in Tampa, uh, we were over there, and, and I'd fly down there. You know, I had to fly out Sunday morning to come back to get ready for Monday morning work. I'd fly out Friday after the show. So I've got two days, and I expected to spend that two days with most of the fellas, if not all of them. When the draft was over, everybody left. They were gone. Like, some of them went back to Orlando. Some of, so I was on my own. I literally flew down for a fucking draft. And then later that night, had drinks with one of the guys. That was it. And then Saturday, it was a totally different world. So I'm like, well, this is bullshit. I'm going to bring my wife with me. And after I do fella time, I'm going to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll enjoy like a little mini vacation. That's why I take her with me. Yeah, heaven forbid you spend some time alone. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I could, but uh, like, I, well, then you also said this is it wasn't a normal guy trip. You only spend so much time with the guys. So the little amount of time you spent with the guys, you also brought your wife to. Uh, well, yeah, but it was a bar. I mean, I'm going around kissing everybody, hanging with the like. You got to be there. You just got to take <laughs> okay. my word for it. This is what was the bar? What was the bar like? What was the name yeah. of the bar? Yeah, like, was it any place? I mean, was it like Ale House or anything like oh, that? Or no, it was uh, just a hole in the wall. Yeah, it was a hole in the wall Irish bar. Oh, nice. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the night started out. I was drinking these things called High Noons. I never even heard of them before. Oh, the, the vodka waters? Yeah, they're delicious. Yeah, it was is that Barstool or something? Doesn't one of them, didn't they create it or, or maybe they just promote it or something? Whatever. Uh, I don't know. They are delicious. They're vodka soda and they're pineapple and they got all kinds of flavors. That sounds gross. And I, and I was surprised, like, because you know we're in you know we're in an Irish bar and you know a bunch of fellas. I'm thinking everybody's you know, going to be drinking beers and stuff like that. And like, <laughs> all the fellas, all the guys with me, like, can I get a high noon pineapple, please? <laughs> can I get like this is forty seven. <laughs> you just get to an age. So the night started out. We start drinking. And then this, uh, on the other side of the bar, it was really, these these guys were really, really loud. Not obnoxiously loud. They were just having a good time. They were loud. And the, the center of attention was this older gentleman 
total beach dude. You know, you could tell he's he's a local. And the uh, the the bar staff, which by the way, they had a great bar staff. Like there are a lot of workers. Everybody's working their ass off. Very polite. Very very nice. And they start handing out shots to everyone in the bar. There's probably about 50 people in the bar. 50 people? 50 people. And <laughs> and so he starts handing these shots out. And the guy, and, he, and then the guy stands up and says, like, wait a minute before anybody drinks. You know, and the karaoke guy stopped playing music and it was, it was silent. We're listening to this dude. He goes, I'm a Marine. And I know there's a lot of shit going on in this country right now. And we've got some question marks. We got a lot of questions about things, but I got to tell you, and then he kind of gets lost in his speech and he's like, there's a reason why we kick some fucking ass everywhere we go. Hoo-ah! You know, and then he, oh <laughs> he puts the shot like America, man, America. This is awesome. So, so we go take the shot. My buddy next to me goes, what is this? I said, I don't know. I just, they handed it to me. So we take it and her face is like, like, what? Was that Rupple Mints? When's the last time anybody's fucking asked for Rupple Mints? Who drinks <laughs> Rupple Mints in 2022? Like, what are you, 18? <laughs> this big bad Marine at the end of the bar, is there a sale on Rupple Mints shots so we could get a discount for the bar? Why are we drinking Rupple Mints? Oh, God. <laughs> Horrible. They're out of fireball. It was so bad. <laughs> like even a lemon drop, I would have been okay with, right? With my high noon. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I look over at probably the guy, one of the guys that I'm closest to, and we were roommates in college. He's the guy that got me into radio, and and, and you know, love him to death. And he's uh, not drinking, which is very very odd because he's got a problem. Like, uh, like growing up with him in college, he drank too much. You know, he, he was that when he drank, he was like, dude, you got to stop, you know, kind of thing. And I said, D, I said, why, why aren't you drinking, man? And he goes, uh, I'm, he's like, I'm 57 days sober today or something like that. I said, really? Yo, you, you've, you're, you've gone, you're, you're not drinking anymore. He goes, well, I'm allowed a beer next month when I go to Germany, but that's it. I said, okay, cool. I was like, I'm assuming there was a rock bottom moment. He's like, yeah, I did a bachelor party for a uh, girl about time. You plugged me up girl about time. You shut that fucking <laughs> thing off. <laughs> what the hell was that? My phone does that when you plug it up, but I unplugged it, so I don't know why it did that when I unplugged it. <sighs> anyway, weird. So, uh, <laughs> so he he had a, an issue. He drank too much at this party. There was like the final the, the straw that broke the camel's back, I guess. And his wife was like, "Dude, you're done. Like this is a problem." Yeah, Good high noon's cut off. <laughs> now he, he's he's he he'd make you look silly like back in the day day. Some of the stuff. I mean, it was just bad. You know, it was, it was, you can tell somebody that's got a problem with alcohol, right? There's, yeah. they, there's a certain drunk that they get to, you know, like Brandon, Brandon, when he gets drunk, I would say that he's going to be at some point in his life an alcoholic because he gets to a certain, like it's, it's almost not scary, but it's uncomfortable, to me, it's scary when people get to that, to that level of drunk. And I'm always just like, come on, who, who does this? 
Know your limits. Stop at a certain limit before you get like this. Like Nate, you know, I joke all the time, like, you know, you got a problem. But, you know, when Nate's drunk. Nate's hilarious. He's really funny. <laughs> but it, but but I never feel uncomfortable around Nate when he's drunk. No. Like, I'm never worried if I were to say something, be like, dude, you've had way too much. Probably not a good idea or something. I don't think he's going to fight me, you know. <laughs> He would probably say, all right, man, cool, thanks, I appreciate it. You know, and it'd probably take the advice, I'm assuming. Brandon, on the other hand. <laughs> you think he's going to fight you? <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past him. He just turns into a different person. You know, and I don't know if it's because you're young and dumb and you just don't have experience, but you've got that. you got to be careful. I'm, be, I'm saying this with all seriousness. You've got to be careful. You've got that alcoholic gene in you. I can tell, man. I've been around. I can tell. I've seen them. I've seen many alcoholics in my life, and I've rocked them all. You know, my mother was an alcoholic. Uh, well, I would diagnose her as an alcoholic. She'd go through a bottle of wine a night. She would turn into a different person. You know, sometimes violent, sometimes fucking weird. You know, just and stepdads that were, no doubt, alcoholics. Totally could see them. Um, you know, and it's a lot of the boomer generation... I think, like, if you were to, they've had an alcohol problem at some point in their life. They Like, they, you know, but it was accepted growing up, that boomer generation, you know, your uncles and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's just Uncle Fred. He always goes and humps the Christmas tree during this time of year because he's sad. You know, he lost his, his hamster when he was a kid at this time. You know, it's like, it's, oh, okay, that's fine. Does anything I'm saying make sense to you, Nate? Well, like, there is a... A person that drinks and they just get to a certain way that you know that they have a problem. Yeah. And maybe not even anybody I know, but like if you're at a bar or even just with a group of people, maybe some acquaintances and there's, there's that guy that you're almost like afraid of. Cause you're like, I, he, he's cool, but then he gets mad and then he gets like, Oh, let's, let's go fucking to pants everybody. And he just wants to do these crazy things. And I'm like, all right, dude, like you're almost a little terrified of him. Like, please don't fuck with me. I'm just going to stay back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, if you can't treat your friend the way you would treat their friend, your friend sober while they're drunk, then there's a problem there. I mean, they, like, they, there shouldn't be an excuse just because he's drinking. You know, you should be able to taper your alcohol, know your limits, and and stop before it gets to that point. And if you can't stop, then you have a problem. Uh, so he's he's he stopped, and I'm very proud of him. I thought, but I'm learning this at the bar while destroyed drunk. Like, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm just. <sighs> I'm ordering honey jack shots. I was like, you wouldn't have to have, because a lot of places don't have honey jack. It's like, you wouldn't have to have honey jack, dude. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, a round of honey jack shots for everybody. And, I mean, that happened all night long, all night long. <laughs> <sighs> I cannot see you in the bar talking about, yeah, round of shots for everybody. That's that's why this, this, <laughs> that's why this is so great, because it's like, this, I feel I'm in a safe place with oh. these guys. Okay. You know, Nate knows that I don't get drunk in public around strangers, even though I know there were strangers at the bar, but I was surrounded by people that I felt safe with. That'll Nobody look out for you. that would look out for me, not judging me. Right. And I, you know, you know, I, I never get fall down drunk. I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I got to be done, you know, but I'll have a good time. Right. And that's where I was at. So the other guy that's in this league that was there, I don't know if you remember the story some years back when the UCF Knights beat up on Auburn in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And I went to the game with my fraternity brother, my financial advisor, and my good friend. And he came up uh, and we went to the game together. Well, he was there. 
Now, that night when he was in Atlanta, he drank too much and turned into a different person. He threw a door, or he threw a shoe at my door, and he would not stop saying fuck in my house. And my daughter was younger at the time, and it just drove me insane. And I, and then he started wrestling me, and I, and I almost <laughs> beat him up. Like, he's this little short guy. He looks like Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties. <laughs> and the next day, he wakes up, and he's like, I don't remember anything. I'm like, what are you talking about? How do you not remember anything? He's like, I- I'm sorry. He goes, I'm assuming I did bad things. And I was like, you were an asshole, dude. Like, I really wanted to beat the fuck out of you. Like, I, it was this close to just punching you because you would have understood it the next day. And he's like, I'm really sorry. So I was like, you got a problem. So he was drinking, but he wasn't drinking, drinking, right? He wasn't. He was he, yeah, he was socially drinking. He wasn't immaturely drinking. He wasn't binge drinking like I was. Right. Which I was like, dude, what are you doing? You know, I'm trying to force shots down his throat. And he wouldn't take them. I was like, God, dude, you're being a dick, man. Fuck. It's once a year, man. You got to take shots. Come on, get some shots. And I, was one of the, I, was, I was that guy. That guy. We were playing cricket. I hadn't played cricket in years. Well, this is great. This is the best ever. You know what cricket is, right? No. The, Come the, on, with the darts. The ball gets the ground? No. Not I thought it was when the ball goes through that yeah. little U thing. No, cricket is, well, that you that, are that, cr- correct. That is no, correct. that's croquet. No, he's there is a game called you are there is a there is no, well what uh, what Nikki's talking about is croquet. Cricket is a game like baseball that they play in in Europe. It is also the name of a dart game. Cricket. Mm. So you play darts in a bar. Most people when they play darts in a bar, they play a game called cricket where you have to close out certain numbers. Bullseye 20, 19, 18, 17, so on and so forth. And you close it out. When you hit it again, you get points. So not only do you have to have the most points, but you have to have all the numbers closed out in order to win the game of cricket. And it's fun because you can have like eight people that play, you know, to play, you know, two people on a team. So it's a fun bar game, right? Okay. Hadn't played in years. We used to play in college all the time. Uh, so we're playing cricket, drinking. Like, damn, man, you got to get a shot. You got to get a shot, man. You sh-. He's not taking a shot. So, and I'm kissing all these guys, like just laying big, fat, wet ones on their cheek. Just, I miss you, love you. I was that guy. So happy. I was just so happy. And I put my hand on my buddy's shoulder and I feel this weird thing. I didn't even know what it was. It scared me at first. You know, I was like that. And I put, (laughs) I put my hand back and he's not stopping me from touching it. And I, just kind of lightly touched it. And I said, what the fuck is that? I go, are That's you, how you said it? Yeah. I go, are you a robot? Because it, 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 it wasn't like a zit or it was a protruding device coming out of his chest. And I said, what the fuck is that? And I, so I said, what the fuck is that? Are you a robot or something? He didn't laugh. And he says, uh, I was dying. And we had just lost the fraternity brother just the other week of colon cancer. And, uh, and I didn't know it was colon cancer until this trip. And this guy was phenomenal. We all knew him and, you know, he lived at the house with us for, for a while. And it was just very sad. The guy died, you know, way too young, not even 50 years old, wife, kids. He was a very religious person, very, very smart, never drank, didn't do drugs, did everything right. And life just screwed him over. 
And so when he says this to me, my, I start tearing up. I said, but you're joking. He goes, no, I'm not. And he was dead serious. I'm looking him in the eyes. This isn't a bar, loud bar, but everything else goes quiet. And I'm just hearing him talk to me. And I, I go, explain this. And he goes, I'll tell you more tomorrow. He says, but uh, I, I had colon cancer. I'm finishing up my chemotherapy. That It was a port that went into his chest that would, I guess, give him chemotherapy. Yeah, that's how they hook him up to the machines when they go in for their treatments. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah. Okay, so it was like a valve. Yep, so they take a port, they insert it in with this plastic to keep it on, and so when they go in, they just take the tube, hook it up into the port, runs the medication in. So he's explaining this to me, and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm literally crying in this bar, I, I, and I walk outside by myself. I'm like, I can't lose another friend. You know, I just, this thing, this dying thing before 50 is really starting to piss me off to people that aren't asking to die. I can understand if you're a drug addict and you're doing dirty needles, it's like, all right, well, your time's coming. You're just, just, it's only a matter of time, right? But for these people that aren't asking for it, is it starting to piss me off, God? And so uh, I come back in and I said, uh, now's not the time. Um, Let's talk tomorrow. I said, okay. So uh, so we finished out the night. We left the bar. You know when you leave the bar that you're having a good time? Everything changes, right? The whole dynamic changes. And, and I knew that was when the night was pretty much starting to, starting to be done. The only other interesting thing that happened while we were out that night is when we go to this other bar, I start uh, talking to this, was it the kid? Young guy, 18 years old. And he, Nate, was a spitting image. Like, I thought it was him at first, but like reverse Benjamin Button of Topher. Remember Topher? Oh, yeah. Our straight turned gay, turned weird gay, turned straight friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He looked exactly, I mean, exactly like hair, eyes, face, uh, you know, Soft skin, pure, you know, look at me, kind of, you know, exactly like that. And I think we started talking to him first, uh, or <laughs> he was with he was with this older guy. It was a very weird dynamic. And beach life is very weird. You find some you find some interesting characters. And so the he says, I'm a virgin and I'm looking to lose my virginity tonight. And the old guy's like, Yeah, we're scouting the crowd. Like he's hanging out with this guy that's probably in his probably my age probably late 40s uh if not early 50s and just a beach bum guy and this kid's like 18 and i'm like what's the i go what's what's the deal here is this your dad he's like no he's just my buddy we hang out all the time he helps me get girls (laughs) he's not doing a good job if he's a virgin (laughs) well that's when i looked at him i said you're not a virgin and he goes "Uh, you're right i'm not oh okay uh, he goes, but I tell girls that because they like it. And it, I said, does it work? He goes, yeah, it works. I was like, I'm sure it does because you look like a virgin. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, that, that's the whole point. And I'm like, all right. I was like, where do you work? What do you do? He goes, I don't work. He goes, I think I want to be a musician. So do you know how to play an instrument? Not really. Um, but I'm going to try. I said, <laughs> well, you know, life goes by pretty fast. You should probably get on some of this stuff. He goes, well, first I got to find a place to live. So are you, are you homeless? He goes, yeah, I'm homeless. I just sleep on people's couches. You know, I go, strangers? He goes, yeah, strangers. He's like, and then sometimes, you know, these people will give me money for sex. 
I'm like, so you're a prostitute. He goes, no, I don't look at it like that. I just look at it as like we're having sex and they're helping me out. So, okay. <laughs> if that works, <laughs> whatever, whatever's your thing. So of course in my drunken state, I've got to give him a life lecture. I'm thinking, you know, like, dude, you got so much promise. You got so much going for you. It's like Rach is pulling me by my arms. Like, all right, come on. Stop trying to help him. Stop. I'm giving him a motivational speech. And what are you rolling your eyes at for? Because you just said a a million negative things about him. And the first thing you tell him is he has so much promise. Uh, Where did you get this opinion from? Well, the negative things were fact that he told me. You know, I, I I, I didn't judge him based off of those things. I'm giving him positive uh, love and vibe because he's a kid and I'm hoping that it, like it resonated and he's just going, it's like, man, I met this dude one night and he just told me these nice things and it changed my life forever. <laughs> like he's accepting an award or something one day. And he's like, I met this guy. <laughs> First, I'd like to thank God. I'd like to thank my management. I'd like to thank my agent. Hey, yeah, I see you over there. Yeah. I was, but I got to tell you guys, I wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for three years ago. I was at a bar in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. I was homeless. I was selling my body for sex. I was lying to people. And some man came up to me and he told me that I had so much promise. And the things that he said just made me realize that I could accomplish anything. And now look, I'm the MTV Vanguard Music Award winner. Look at this. <laughs> Because I'm a recklessly learn how to play an instrument in two years. Well, you know he's banging the old guy, right? I was thinking that too, Nate. I, there's, oh, 100%. Sugar daddy. There's there's definitely something weird going on there. There's no doubt about it. It was, it was just very, I felt bad for him. Like, it was just so, I, he was so nice and so innocent. Innocent is the word. Just innocent. It's like, how'd you get here? You're 18. How did you get to be homeless with this guy, like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, that's a, like I don't I don't think he's that innocent. He's he's not a virgin. He's eighteen. He's he's awesome. like hooking up. He's hooking up with a sixty year old dude that, and living with him. I think he's a little more experienced than we were at that age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he's a hustler. He knows the streets. There's no doubt about yeah. it, uh, w- without a doubt. So it's it's, but, it's funny you said he looked like our old intern because I actually saw his post and he's he was in Atlanta. The, the weekend that you were in Florida. Oh, really? Yeah, I was gonna, I was like, oh, I should tell Jason. Oh, he's in Florida. So you guys kind of switched states. So uh, the next day we meet up for breakfast with my buddy and he explains to me about this, this whole chemotherapy port cancer thing. And he said about a year ago when our friend was diagnosed with colon cancer, he was bombarded with these uh, advertisements not only on TV, but, you know, on social media uh, of this Cologuard thing. <laughs> and I'm laughing as he's telling this story. And he goes, why are you laughing? I said, I'll tell you in a minute. And I was like, just finish your story. And he says, so he, he got the Cologuard. And if, for those that don't know what the Cologuard is, is it's if get your doctor to prescribe it. Uh, I highly suggest that everybody does this, especially men. You know, at one time, um, and this is just recently, it was you don't get a colonoscopy until you're 50 or over. Now they've reduced that age to 45, being that they were finding, I'm assuming this is the reason, is that people were dying. You get colon cancer, you're done. You know, especially, I mean, once it, well, I shouldn't say that. Once you get colon, if you don't recognize you have colon cancer in time, 
it spreads really fast and then you're done. But it's extremely preventable. But what was happening is guys were waiting until their 50s to go and get this, you know, colonoscopy to see if there's any polyps or tumors or whatnot. And they were like, oh, my God, we wish you would have come in earlier. They're like, well, I'm 50, 51 years old. I couldn't come in. They said, I got to wait till I was 50. I just figured, you know, I'd do it around. So go in, if you're 45 in that 46, 47, 48, go get it done. So he goes and gets it done. He has the colonoscopy. They come back and they tell him they found a tumor the size of a golf ball attached to his colon. And so for this past year, I had no idea about any of this. He's been going through, they, they went, they took it out. They did the chemotherapy, the radiation to make sure it was all gone, this and this and that. And I guess the day that we, the, the day before we were having this conversation was the, was D-Day, was the, was the day that they said he's cancer free. That was the, when we were out of the bar. So I was like, oh my God, this is all happening. And he goes, well, why were you laughing when I'm telling you the story? He's like, did you, do you find colon cancer? He's, he's a smart ass. He's like, do you find colon cancer funny, Jason? <laughs> I said, I said, no, but. I go about the same time, you know, I didn't know our, our mutual friend had colon cancer, but I had other friends die of colon cancer at a young age, a woman in particular at the age of 50. And she was beautiful and sweet and nice and a great wife and a great mother. And her husband is fantastic. And their kids are wonderful. And everything about their life, their lives are wonderful. And she dies at the age of 50, this beautiful, extremely healthy woman because of colon cancer, because she did not get it recognized in time. And so uh, it scared the living daylights out of me. You guys remember me telling you this story. And, and, and I went to my doctor and I said, I need you to do this. I mean, like I want it to be checked for everything. And so she prescribed me the Cologuard thing. Cologuard is a box that comes in the mail. It gives you a bag. So you go to the bathroom in that you test it on your own and you know it's 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 fucking weird and really gross but you know and then you ship the box back you know when you go to the fedex store or the ups store with the with that colo guard thing the, the send it back the way they handle it is very funny <laughs> <laughs> just just put it over there if you don't mind please if you, can you take it to the truck in the back please <laughs> i don't want to touch it so uh my mind came back positive and, and, and I remember talking about this on the air, uh, on the radio show, and, and people were like, this thing is kind of tricky. There's a lot of false positives, so don't sweat it. It's like, okay. But it gives you the green light to get the colonoscopy. Colonoscopy is no big deal, right? Unless something happens with the anesthesia, you go in and you're in and out. You don't know a thing. It's the greatest nap ever. They found two small polyps on me, but that's it. Uh, so I was good, and I'm good for another 10 years. But I got checked. You know, at 46, 47, whenever it was, that was the whole big thing when I got fired last October. They're like, do you have any questions for us, Jason? I said, yeah. Is my insurance going to cover my colonoscopy I have in like three weeks? (laughs) And they said, no. (laughs) I was like, oh, fuck you then. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about the job. I didn't care about them. I didn't care about the money. All I cared about was my colonoscopy because I was terrified. That's all I could think of. So he, you know, like me, he was bombarded with these Cologuard things. And it's it's like I never Googled colon cancer or anything. Oh, maybe I did. But after that, it was like everywhere 
uh, uh, Instagram and Facebook, and it just didn't matter. I would see these ads, television all the time, see the little box talk to you and stuff. So, you know, just please, just, just, just go to your doctor if you're over 45. Definitely, if you're in that window, 45, 50, go as early as possible and ask for a Cologuard prescription. They'll give it to you. Your insurance will pay for everything. Hopefully, you have insurance. Insurance pays for everything. You, you The colonoscopy is taken care of. You pay zero, nothing. The Cologuard testing, zero, nothing. It's absolutely free, and it could possibly save your life. It could have saved my friends' lives if they got checked earlier. It just saved my friend's life because he got checked and they caught it in time. So that's my public service announcement for this episode. It means a lot to me. If you get checked, you're coming up on it, Nate, you got what five years? Uh, yeah, six, but yeah, it's sad that it's just not a con. I mean, not a, not a common thing, but it's not just something that they do. Like you have to ask for it. Same thing with mammograms. We can't get mammograms early either. You're, exactly. It's, it's, again, it's the healthcare in this country. It's, it's horrible. I mean, the, there was an article that I read the other week regarding cancer patients. And, and God, I forget the percentage, but it was an extremely high percentage of people that have died of cancer that it could have been prevented if and I'm not talking about maintenance throughout your life of make sure you're eating broccoli shakes and, and all that shit. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just getting checked, going to the doctor, getting a getting a tune up, you know, going, hey, can you check out my levels? See where I'm at. Okay, there's a reason why there, there's something on my testicle right now that's protruding that's not normal. Go ask somebody about it. That's what happened to another friend of mine. He's just recovering from his second run of chemotherapy. Uh, of testicular cancer. And this is all within a little over a year. His entire life changed. And he's a great guy. And he's an extremely talented broadcaster. And he found a lump on his testicle. Went to the doctor. And uh, they said, you have testicular cancer. You know, we got we to gotta, we gotta act now. You know, I mean, his whole life changed within one comment. But he got checked. And he got checked and he caught it in time. There's another guy that lives here in Atlanta that I worked with. Uh, in radio is a promotions guy, another great guy, you know, and he went through the same thing. And, and now he's kind of, I don't know him all that well. I've run into him a couple times since working with him at the sports station, but I think he kind of had one of those realizations is like, life's too short. I'm done working for the man and having this schedule. I need to live life because I almost died. And that's when you regret shit, right? Yep. When you're about to die and you're not doing anything. Um, so, or the things that you want to do. Uh, so he, he's doing those things. Good for him. So, uh, other than that, let's see, uh, I wrote down some notes here. Rach was very impressed that that's how I used to act back in the day. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you're kissing everybody. You're crying. You're taking terrible <laughs> shots. You, you know, get it, Debbie Downer with the cancer at the bar. I'm sure she was super impressed. <laughs> very, very impressed. Uh, and then, oh, so here was the other thing. So I get my bar tab, right? And I'll finish this up here. But I got, I got my bar tab. My bar tab was 300 and some dollars. It's like, Ooh, whole, yeah, at a beach bar, somewhere in a beach. Like, how many shots did I order? It looked like a CVS receipt, dude. 
it was ridiculous. Like I didn't even bother counting them all. I couldn't even see it. I was just like, okay. <laughs> I was like, this was a good time. I was like, I haven't had a bar tab like that in a, in a minute. So something else that, that they were doing, the reason why they have the draft in New Smyrna Beach is because they're race fans. And the Coca-Cola 400, which used to be the Firecracker 400, I think, during the 4th of July weekend, is now during the weekend, this past weekend, we did our draft at Daytona 500. I think it's the last race of the race season. Like the season, NASCAR is opposite, right? It opens up with the Super Bowl, which would be the Daytona 500, and then kind of goes backwards. Am I right there, Brandon? Uh, yeah, I'm not super brushed up on my, uh, on my NASCAR knowledge. I went to one game, not the greatest one game. Huh? You went to one, one game. Race. <laughs> so they were like, come on, come on, Bailey, go to the race with us, go to the race. It'll be fun. You know, we're going to go tomorrow. And the weather had been kind of shitty while we were there. Didn't even think about it. I was like, you know what? I'm going. Rachel's like, go with the fellas. You're going to have fun. Just drink. And you know, you don't have to like racing. Just go and drink and hang out with the guys. I'm like, what are you going to do? She's like, I'll be fine. I was like, okay, I'm going. I need a ticket. Everybody's got their tickets. So the the guy, one of the guys that's that's part of our crew, his brother was there. I guess his brother's a bookie or something. I don't know. He's got access to all this stuff. Nice guy, really nice guy. And he goes, uh, he goes, I get you a ticket right now. I said, okay, cool. I go, how much? He's like one hundred and fifteen dollars. I'm like, is that normal? I was like, is, is that what they're going for? He goes, yeah. He's like, it's a good price. I was like, okay, let's do it. He goes, here's my Venmo. I scan his Venmo. I send him the money. He emails me a screenshot of my ticket. I was like, I'm going to the race, guys. This is going to be great. What time are we leaving? Tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Oh, that's great. I get this. I go to the beach in the way. This is going to be awesome. So it's raining at 4 o'clock. I mean, it's just, and it's not going to stop until like 1130 at night. All right. So they're like, they're going to call the race, you know, which then, They'll do it the next day. Well, I couldn't go the next day. And so I was like, I can't go. Uh, it's like, how do I get a refund? He's like, refund? Yeah, I, I'm, I can't go. I'm not, I'm not going. I, I'm not going to use the ticket. Well, I don't do refunds. I'm like, huh? <laughs> why, why can't I get my money back? He goes, it's just you bought the ticket. just how it is. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my God. I just got jobbed out of $115. You let it go that easy? Yeah. What am I going to do? I mean, the, yeah, well, was he gonna, I mean, has, I mean, going to as many concerts and, and events that we all have, you can't get your money back for a ticket anywhere. Who would give you a refund? Ticketmaster ain't doing that. Well, it seems you gotta, like you gotta, this was you, a friend type thing. That's why I was like, just... well, okay. So that's what I thought too. I was like, I thought he would do it because of the relationship. Yeah. Mm-mm. No, mm. that would be my expectation of a friend. But like. but he didn't buy. He didn't like just have the ticket extra. He probably went to somebody else and bought it from him for you. So why is this guy out money? Because you can't go to the race the next day. Oh, don't get it twisted. I'm not mad at him. You know. Oh, okay. I, I get it. But yeah, it's, it sucks for sure. Yeah, it sucks. I get it. I understand. I mean, if it were like you know a Super Bowl ticket of like seven thousand dollars, I'd be a little upset, right? But it was my fault. I should have, I should have, and they told me to do this. They're like, oh, just wait till we get to the race. You can scalp a ticket. Then you just sneak up to where we're at. I was like, okay, cool. But you know me, I always got to be prepared. Uh, So he was like, I can get you a ticket right now. (laughs) Okay, cool. And they were telling me that I could scalp a ticket for 40 bucks. He's like, 115. I'm like, seems a little high. 
But I don't know what tickets are going for these days for races. So you might be right. I believe you. Honey Jack shots. <laughs> More shots. <laughs> that, that, you know, and, and on top of that, it was my fault. because, And that's the way I looked at it. I was like, you are smarter than this. But you let your drunken, stupid ass get you. You did it while drunk. That's your fault. So you deserve to be out $115. It's not his fault. It's your fault. Right now, if I were him, I would have refunded me the money and taken the hit just based off of the relationship. Like if it were you, Nate, Brandon, Nikki, any of you guys, if that if same situation, I would, and you know, I would, I would without a doubt, give you the money back, but we're not that close, you know? So that, that like, that's the brother of the guy that I'm fairly close with. All right. So, and he's got his own business, so he's doing his thing anyway. All right, so that was my Florida trip. Very, very successful. A lot of fun and had a great draft. And you'll hear all about the draft on uh, on the new fantasy football show uh, starting next Thursday with me, Randy Cross, and Jeff Bogus Bogus. All right, let's talk to our guest. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Watkins Law Firm, trial and litigation attorneys. So if it's personal injury, wrongful death, contracts and transactions, landlord and tenant disputes, or just general civil litigation, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC is where you need to go. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC. And here's Tyler's tip of the day. In Georgia, if someone doesn't perform under a contract, the usual remedy is money. While in some cases you can have the court order them to perform, usually they won't because indentured servitude is not a thing anymore. Get a hold of Tyler Watkins, WatkinsLawFirm.LLC, serving all of Georgia. Next time, talk to Tyler. I want you to call my wife, but not for those reasons, you weirdo. I want you to call my wife, Rachel Guy, because you want to participate in this crazy market that's happening right now and take advantage of a house. She is the best at doing what she does, and that is a realtor with Keller Williams Atlanta North Office. Anybody that's dealt with my wife, and I know a lot of you two percenters have, uh, she's absolutely amazing. I can tell you firsthand, you know, if you're a first-time home buyer, she's going to walk you through it. If you've done this numerous times before, you might learn something. She's great. So if you're looking to buy or sell, call Rachel Guy because she's your guy. 404-797-4600. That's 404-797-4600. Let's keep it before 9 p.m., all right? Some of you call fairly late. It's a little annoying. No offense. Stress-free buying and selling, and like I said, this crazy nutso market. You can also shoot her an email. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. So excited to talk to our guest here. I've been talking with our booker for weeks. I'm like... When are you going to get Tom Hopper on my show? He says, I'm working on it. I said, okay. And then I get the confirmation. And uh, there's so much to talk to Tom about, you know, because my my favorite show right now is the Umbrella Academy. We'll get to that here in a second. Uh, Tom wants to, first off, talk about this rom-com, this giant good-looking man is taking his British accent to Netflix, which is actually already out now, by the way. Uh, with a rom-com. Tom, you're a rom-com guy now. Apparently so. <laughs> Apparently so. Um, yeah, I I didn't know that was going to happen, to be honest. I um, 
And so I got a meeting with Mark Stephen Johnson, the writer director, and he, you know, he offered this, me this movie. And um, I, I said to him, I was like, uh, you know, this is a new one for me. You know, it's a bit of a, I've not really done this before. And he was like, he was like, no, you'll be perfect for it, man. I, I know you'll be great. And I was like, how do you know? Like, I've not done anything like this before. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be okay in this movie. So I, I was quite apprehensive, but I read the script and um, actually my wife read the script first and she, she loved it. And she was like, you should definitely do this movie. That's crazy. And, uh, that, that, that's crazy for your wife. Now I get it. You know, you're an actor and this is your trade. This is your talent. This is what you do. But uh, this rom-com, which, by the way, again, you can find this on Netflix right now. It's called Love in the Villa. My wife and I are going to watch it this weekend. Uh, she's a rom-com fan, and i got to be honest with you, so am I. I love them. Uh, but uh, there's this young woman, Kat Graham, multi-talented, extremely gorgeous Kat Graham. She takes this trip to Italy after a breakup, and then, you know, pretty much you and her get stuck in the same room because it's double booked, and then love ensues. It's a fantastic premise, um, but I'm looking at you, and I, this is the same guy, Luther from the Umbrella Academy, Game of Thrones, and Black Sails, and you're this big dude, and you're like a teddy bear in this. You And your wife okayed it, and she's also in this. She's got to watch you kiss Cat Graham. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, my, my wife's very understanding. Yeah, when you think about it, when she's actually pushing me in to do a rom-com, it's like, why would you do that? <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, she, she thought it was great for me. So, um, and actually she ended up, she ended up auditioning for one of the roles, my wife mm -hmm. in, in the movie, um, uh, one of the supporting leads and, uh, she smashed it out of the park and Mark Stephen Johnson, um, was like, is this your wife? <laughs> she said, do, so she, uh, she ended up getting a role in the movie. So Laura is in it with me, which was amazing. Is that, uh, that is we that, got to be in a, a movie together. It, now, would you greenlight her being in a movie where her love interest is a good-looking, you know, guy, and you've got to watch, and you're in the movie too, so you got to watch your wife do lovey scenes with some guy? Would you be okay with that? Well, if I'm in the movie too, then I can I can keep an eye on the uh, on how the relationship goes off camera, can't I? So, <laughs> so I have slightly more control. But um, no, I mean the thing is, like me and my wife are very, you know, we we're both as we're both actors, you know, we're both very trusting and we have a very strong relationship. So that side of things is actually something we've never really uh, worried too much about, you know. But the, you know, I, she had to go through an Umbrella Academy season four. You know, I had a whole. Love story with the lovely Genesis Rodriguez. Don't spoil anything. I haven't even gotten to season three yet. Please, please. Oh, you're in the middle of it. Well, there you go. You got you got you've got a trailer. Oh, oh my! Like I know that you have um, you have well, you've been infatuated with your sister Allison the entire time, but I know that because you know when doing prep for this conversation, I ran into some spoilers about. Um, uh, Sloan Hargraves, which is played by Genesis Rodriguez, who was the uh, antagonist, played the antagonist, the bad girl in Identity Thief. My, I think she was, her name was Marcel, Marcel, Marcel. Um, and yeah, she, yeah. So she's a real, she's a really good actress, and they're part of a different academy called the Sparrow Academy. And that's all I know, and that's my spoiler. I read it, but I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's a good season. You'll enjoy it. Oh, I know. And I heard it ends after four, right? 
The fourth season, yeah, we just announced uh, the fourth and final. Yeah, so we go go to shoot that uh, beginning of next year. Okay, you do realize, okay, I don't get addicted to shows very often, Tom. Uh, I have fallen in love <laughs> with the Umbrella Academy. Whoever sat down one night and wrote this script, whatever they're taking, I want some of it. Because it is the trippiest, some of the best acting, the some of the best character building that I've seen in a show in a very long time. Yeah, and we're, we're super fortunate, man. We've got an amazing writer um, in Steve Blackman, the, the head showrunner, um, who has all the mad ideas for our show. You know, and, and if you like it, you're not even in season three yet, then you're going to really enjoy season three because it's even wackier and uh, it takes you on some real journeys. So, and the character development's brilliant this season. So, yeah, it's... It, and the thing is, you never know what you're going to get with Umbrella Academy. You know, you you never know which which turn it's going to take. Um, one thing Steve always talked about is subversion. You know, you kind of take the character, the uh, audience on a journey, and then you subvert all the rules. So you can kind of go anywhere with that show, uh, which is part of the brilliance of being on it. You know, we're very lucky to be on a show like that because you get to do so many cool things. Uh, when I see the head of the commission is a talking goldfish smoking a cigarette, blowing smoke rings. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm like, dude, how, I consider myself a fairly creative guy, but that's just out of the park creativity. And he's the boss. Right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I know. Right. Are, are you, yeah. Do you guys sit around on set and just go, dude, what is he talking about right now? There's a talking monkey. There's a talking goldfish. And I'm a hairy half ape, half, half man. What did I get myself into on this one? Well, the thing is, we kind of knew that it was going to be somewhat wacky because it all came from a graphic novel. And the graphic novel has a lot of that stuff in there. And it's, and it's pretty bonkers, actually, at times, the graphic novel. So it's, it's kind of being true to that world. Um, but then, then taking it further in the, the, what's on the page, you know, like the character development is taken much further. Um, and the, the wackiness really is, you know, there's lots of elements of the show that aren't in the graphic novel, but it's still, it's still all very much within that world. Is there another character on the Umbrella Academy, Tom, that you would have rather played other than Luther? Um, rather played. No, I, I love playing Luther so much you know and he's become kind of a part of me now i even named my dog after him <laughs> um i i love playing him he's um because the thing is like you say the character development is so good in this in the show that you you kind of get you get pretty deep into it so they become part of you, these characters so but i have to say i do there's other characters on the show that i i've loved you know i uh uh, I, I really liked Hazel in the first season, the assassin Hazel, who fell in love with the yeah. the older lady in the diner. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, Five Five is a phenomenal character, and Aiden plays him so well. Yeah. Um, so as, as characters go, like they're, they're pretty fun ones to do. Um, I uh, Claus is just, I mean, that guy is so eclectic eccentric i mean you name it um and i saw i i watched an interview that you and robert shan did uh with with something online and he's not that far off at least in that inner i mean he wasn't in character but he's a pretty eccentric uh, 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 eclectic guy in in real life too isn't he 
Yeah, yeah, Rob. I mean, Rob's one of my best friends, um, so I know Rob very well. And yeah, he's he's very eccentric. Yeah, he, he sort of you never. What I love about being friends with Rob is you never know what's coming next. You know, like in conversations can go off on a complete tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you know, I did uh, the the press for for Umbrella Academy season three with him in LA. Um, so we were paired up. And then he turns up with a cockatoo. <laughs> he turns up with a real life cockatoo for the interviews. I'm like, of course he's got a cockatoo. Why would I expect anything less? So you know, he's just he, yeah, he's kind of wacky and he's he's perfect for Klaus. But the thing is, Klaus is only Klaus because Robert Sheehan is playing him. Yeah. The Klaus that everyone has fallen in love with is be- the only reason that is that is because it's Robert Sheehan. He's brought, and that's the thing with all those characters. We have all brought ourselves to those characters. And Steve Blackman, our showrunner, has cast them very well because he sees the potential and then he starts writing more for our strengths, you know, and like more of what we, the, the strengths we have as actors. So um, I think it, it's very well cast, our show. Uh, how long does it take you to put on the suit? Because, I mean, I know you're a big guy in general, but I know you're not that big. Uh, so you got the, the muscle suit to put on. Is it a pain in the ass every day? Well, um, we're fairly fortunate because there's two versions of that suit. So there's the prosthetic one when you see me with no clothes on and I've just got my the, the big um, torso suit. That takes like two and a half hours to put on. Um, so you just sat in the chair while they're gluing you and painting you into that because it's hands and neck and everything. And then fortunately we have a, a sort of zip-on suit that goes on underneath the clothes and that takes like two minutes to put on. So... That's the one I'm wearing, you know, day to day. Wow! But for first season, it was it was much harder than that. First season, it was like I was kind of in it in the morning, and I kind of just stayed in it. Um, but we managed to adapt it to make it much easier to get on and off. And, and so I think uh, what I was reading as I get into season three, and I'm sure you know, I talk about the Umbrella Academy. Uh, on this show from time to time and and, and you know I, I try not to give away spoilers but I didn't know this so um uh Elliot Page who plays uh Vanya is transgender she mm-hmm. ca- she came out a couple years ago and the show is going to cater to that and I think that's genius because right now she identifies as a female as far as her character goes but as the show progresses she will identify as a male under uh, the character Victor Hargraves, correct? That's correct, yes. Yeah, so Elliot transitioned um, before we started shooting season three. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he obviously spoke to uh, Steve Blackman and, the, the, and Netflix and, you know, said what his intentions were. And Steve said, you know, do you want the character to transition? And um, he said, yeah. So, and it, it works beautifully in the show. It's, it's brilliant. And, it was quite. It was synonymous with us kind of uh, learning of his transition as well, as well as the characters doing it for Victor. So it was, yeah, it was quite an interesting sort of process, really, for us all. But it was, it was beautiful. It was really well handled. Yeah, I thought that was uh, a clever. You know, just reading it and then thinking about it, going, you know, because there are people that are transitioning or that have transitioned, whatever. Uh, and if they're in this line of work, if you can build that into their character on the show and they're comfortable with that, of course, uh, I, I think that's that's ingenious because you can play two totally different people and knock it out of the park both uh, both times. 
Yeah, I mean, actually, that's the, the brilliance of this is that they're not different people, right? They're the same person. And the way that it's been handled is that they, they just they just transition their gender. But the person they are is exactly the same. So, like, Elliot is exactly the same as when he identified as, as Ellen, as a, as a, as a female. And they're exactly the same. And it's the same as, like, Victor and, and Vanya. You know, there's, there's no change in character. They are the same person. They just change gender. And that's kind of what it, it is so beautiful about how it's been handled. Yeah. I can see something like the Umbrella Academy, Tom, having numerous spinoffs. Have you heard any rumblings about that? I just I just don't see you letting, or not you, but the, the writers or Netflix letting this franchise go. I, I, I see merchandise. I see action figures. I, I see this bigger, and I'm usually a guy that'll say, "All right, let's let's stop at like six seasons." You know, Walking Dead has totally jumped the shark; it's gone too far. Let's get out while we're on top. But four seasons of the Umbrella Academy—I think there's more to tell. Um, maybe, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a potential for spinoffs with the show. Obviously, you know, I, I, I think so much depends on how the show ends. Um, they could obviously do like prequel versions of it. They could do something with the Sparrow Academy, which you'll learn about when you get into season uh, three. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it, within the, the Umbrella Academy world, yeah, you, you definitely could. Um, I think we feel that the show is, is the right time to finish this this story mm. of these characters um, after season four because. You know, there's only so many times that you can do the apocalypse, the impending apocalypse of the world and all that sort of thing. Um, and it still be interesting and doing it in new, interesting ways. So you've got to kind of develop it, new ways of doing that. But like you say, I think getting out when you're on a high, like finishing high, I've, I've always been a big fan of doing that. I don't think you want to drag on a show too much. Too many shows do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and audiences get bored. And I think I, I'd rather leave people wanting more. Yeah, but, like leave them satisfied, but wanting more, you know. Well, what you got, what the show did going into season two, it took like. Did you ever watch Quantum Leap with Scott Bakula back in the day? Of course, yeah, one of my faves. Oh yeah, mine too. Uh, and I've always thought that that you know, again, I'm not a huge reboot guy, but there's there, you could totally reboot that, and I've thought of a million different ways to do it, and that's kind of the vibe that I got going into season two when you all. Uh, transported back into the 60s and then you brought in the JFK yeah. assassination and then you've got not the not you what is it the Franklin film you know, that that you're looking at and, yeah. and you're then like oh my yeah. god dad's the dad's on the grassy knoll we've got to stop dad you know uh so it's like I got yeah, that- the idea that like they, they transitioned like they crossed over real life events with our involvement, mm-hmm. you know, really well, and the idea that uh, Dad, like Reggie, Reggie Hargreaves, maybe something to do with the assassination and stuff. It was all, it was all very clever. Yeah, the the scene in season uh, season two uh, where the handler is in the pet store and she's talking to the little chubby redheaded kid. Uh, I thought that was like um, a, a younger Hazel, but I guess the timeline wouldn't match up with that. He wouldn't have been born in the sixties. Uh, no, he wouldn't have been born yet. Yeah, he wouldn't have been born yet. But that was my first thought. 
I'm like, yeah, this is a, this, you know, is it is there is there a young Hazel? There's a young Cha Cha played by Mary J. Blige. That'd be, be a funny Easter egg, Doug. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, the little Easter egg thrown in there. Uh, Nate, do you have yeah. a do you have a question for Tom Hopper, Nate? Yeah, Tom, I I haven't got into the Umbrella Academy yet, so I apologize, but I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, and you had an awesome death. At least, at least you got to be killed by a dragon. Um, but I was curious, how is how does the U.K. receive um, Game of Thrones? Are, are they into it as much as the U.S. is, or, or did we get, do you guys justice? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think the thing is with Thrones is kind of worldwide, you know, like it's uh, it's such a, an enormous monster of a show and I actually me and my wife Laura went to the uh, premiere of the House of Dragon in in London recently and you could see from that premiere like how massive the franchise is now you know it's not just that one show any of the shows spin off from that that entity the, the, the brand that is Game of Thrones is probably going to do very well so um, yeah, it's, it's enormous here, man, just as big as it is in the States. I can see, you know, within this, this is why I'm excited about this conversation, Tom, because you're going to be such a big star, like you're going to be untouchable in the next year or two uh, as far as action movies go. I mean, you can do it all. You got the look, you got the skill, you're just the, the total acting package. I'm assuming with the success of the Umbrella Academy, the success of the things that you've done, the future success of Love in the Villa on Netflix, which again is out currently, um, is there anything in the works as far as a big motion picture starring Tom Hopper? Well, actually, my big my big thing in the minute is I'm just going into the, the beginning of 2020. We, me and my wife, started um, our production company, and we've produced um, we're producing three or four different movies that are all starting to come together. Some one is with Netflix, one is um, we're working with other bigger companies in the states. So I can't announce them yet because they're not allowed to be announced, but. Um, yeah, they're all the. I'm, I'm trying to get the producing side because you know I, I like to. I'm I'm all about like trying to build things from seed. You know, like I I like the idea of um, collaboration with a great team of people and putting things together. So that's my that's been a huge focus of mine um, in the last year and um, putting all that together. And that's all we're starting to you know really see the the fruition of that now, and it all come together um, with various different movies. Some action, um, you know, a couple of comedies and some, uh, but yeah, a lot of action comedy and and, and then straight up action as well. So, but uh, yes, yeah, so that's been my my main focus. But there's always going to be like the other moves on the side, like they like say like the, the kind of blockbuster type stuff. I'm always going to have my eye on that, yeah. that field. But yeah. as an actor, I'm always looking for a challenge, and the producing side of it is a huge challenge for me. That's why I took it on. Um, but. Yeah, I'm always going to be looking for those those other other jobs out there that I go. That could be a lot of fun for me. It's all about the onset experience and how much fun I'll have with it. Yeah, I think the the wrong thing to do as an actor is to look for um, fame and fortune or like you know the just like a major success of like oh I want that job because of success. I for me I want to know what the experience I'm going to have on it if it's going to be fun and that's why I do all these things because. I think I'll have a good time. That's what we're doing in life, right? We're looking to have fun. So that's the that's the way I like to see my career and try and just do it that way. Wow, that's that's like 
that's motivational. That's that's profound. That's Socrates. That's putting on a T-shirt stuff. Uh, that's really good. I like it, and I and I buy into it. Is there is there someone that you do want to work with? Like I could see you fighting the Rock, you know, in some kind of like maybe joining the uh, Hobbs, uh, whatever the spinoff of the Fast and Furious stuff is. Um, I can see you joining that as a bad guy. I think you'd play a really good bad guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm always up for playing the villain. You know, the villains are often, often the more interesting characters, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would uh, certainly be up for that. But um, I think the, the, the heroes in my life are the ones that I grew up watching, right? So um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is a huge hero of mine um, because, you know, Terminator was a massive influence mm-hmm. in my in my early years. Um, and then I would love to work with like Christopher Lloyd, you know, like he's, I, I'm a massive back to the future fan. It's my number one. Uh, um, so he's, he's not like up there in terms of like, you know, like you say, like Dwayne Johnson, but for me personally, like I want to work with my heroes. Yeah. Um, so him and uh, Michael J. Fox are two of my major heroes. Oh yeah. Um, you, and probably and same as Arnold Schwarzenegger. You and I share that love of back to the future. My grandmother, She's no longer with us, but when uh, she was my rock, you know, she was my everything. And the last movie yeah. that I saw with her was Back to the Future at the Annapolis Mall in Annapolis, Maryland. And ever since then, just it's been like this weird universe connection with Back to the Future. And you know that that movie almost was not made. There's every like every every single movie house passed on it production they're like we don't this is silly this is a guy gets in a delorean and goes back this is dumb uh it was almost not existent and michael Michael j fox wasn't even the first guy up for the role it was eric stoltz i know the whole thing nearly didn't have him in it (laughs) yeah exactly uh it's crazy how stuff like that works out in hollywood when you go and you're like oh it was almost this guy and it was almost this guy was yeah like will smith was going to be uh will smith was going to be neo in the matrix Exactly. Yeah, that's another good. I love stuff like that. Those those fun facts. Was there um, somebody else? Uh, obviously, there had to have been somebody else you beat out. Obviously, for the Luther character in Umbrella Academy. Um, well, actually, you know, I found out recently um, that that wasn't the case because I, you know, you like any uh, job, you audition and you think you know there's going to be like a hundred of the dudes that are looking at. Um, this is why I'm so grateful to Game of Thrones and the platform that it kind of gave me because so many people watch it. So Steve Blackman, the showrunner, um, and he only told me this recently, but he he saw me on Game of Thrones um, and was like, you know what, he could be our Luther. And he got me to audition to see if I could do an American accent and obviously do the scenes. And he said, we were the, you were the first, you were the first tape we saw. And then I said, that's the guy. And uh, I had a meeting with him. He put me forward to Netflix. And fortunately, Ted, our executive, um, was in a similar position that he'd seen me on Thrones and was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I like his work and everything. He'd be, he'd be grateful, Luther. I saw my tape. Met with Steve Blackman. And then that was that. And uh, they never actually, they never um, looked at, well, according to Steve, you know, never looked at other, other Luthers. So, I feel incredibly lucky and fortunate that, and and thank you to Game of Thrones for that. You know that they put me, gave me that platform to put me on Steve's radar. Well, Game of Thrones was so big, you know. And if you have 
uh, uh, you steal the show at any point in time, you know, on any episode, people are going to take notice. And so that's, you know, just a compliment to you. How difficult was it to uh, lock down the English accent, the American accent? Uh, the American. Well, it's funny because, I mean, I, I work very hard on it, you know, because I, I, for me, I have to I, I have to be as authentic as possible. You know, I'm, I'm diligent in my, my work rate and things like that. So um, I'll spend a lot of time on working on my accent. And I also have no ego about it. If someone I want, I want my castmates who are American to pull me up on something if they, they hear a little nuance that isn't quite there. So, you know, I, I'm speaking their accent, so I need them to help me out. Um, but I've, I've been very fortunate that, you know, as, as a Brit, I grew up on American television and American movies. So I've been listening to American accents since the day I can remember watching my first movie. You know, I can talk about Back to the Future. I talk about Terminator, you know, all these American accents. And I was also hugely into, I was a massive Friends fan. I watched, I've watched every episode of Friends like That's crazy. 10, 15 times probably. So in terms of like listening to that conversational uh, chat and the nuances in, in the way to speak as an American, you know, I've been around it just from immersion uh, watching television for so long from America. That's funny. You should pitch next time you're on set uh, that all of your castmates from the Umbrella Academy, you do a, uh, a spoof video of the intro to Friends with everybody from uh, the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of chat about Friends on our set because I think most of us are like of that era. We're like in our early 30s, you know, so a lot of us, well, no, I'm in my late days now, but um, there's a lot of chat about the similarities, and we always talk about which character on the show is which character on Friends, <laughs> and who's who. You're you're Ross, obviously, right? Yeah, Luther's a Ross. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Diego is Joey. Joey, yeah, um, and uh, Klaus. Is, uh, Chandler. Chandler. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Hands down. <laughs> and five would be um, the the uh, barista at Central Perk. He just passed, sadly <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, five would be Gunther, yeah. Gunther, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what about, you talk about movies, um, American movies and so on and so forth. What about music? Did you grow up listening to American artists or European artists? Brits. Both, actually. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, like, a lot of classic rock. Like, I love The Stones. I love Queen. Um, Leonard Skinner. Um, Aerosmith. And then, you know, like, more modern Brit, like, uh, Kasabian Oasis. I'm a big fan of. Love um, Audio Slave, Rage Against the Machine. You know, I grew up on those kind of those kind of bands. I just watched uh, Trainwreck. Yeah, uh, the uh, ninety nine Woodstock documentary. Oh, yeah, on Netflix recently. Yeah, and uh, that brought back a lot of memories because I was at a lot of those kind of festivals. Um, and to be honest, a lot of it, I was like, this was kind of like a lot of festivals I went to that were kind of exactly the same as this <laughs> until it got really bad on like the Saturday night when girls were getting raped and shit. I was like, oh, that's yeah. not at all like I used to go to. Yeah, bl- blame like, it. I, on- that that festival got way out of hand. Blame it all on Limp Biscuit, right? He's like, no, do not play break, break stuff. I'm, I know. I'm trying to get. Yeah. So I've I've uh, 
I've interviewed Gavin Rosdale from Bush over the years. He's one of my favorites. Uh, I have such a, a Oh yeah, he was like one of the only ones that kind of calmed it down, wasn't he? Well, yeah, but not on purpose. It was he was, you know, Bush. I'm trying to get him on the podcast to talk about this. Because I never realized that any other time I've spoken to him to even bring it up, but Bush was the act to follow Limp Biscuit, and the promoters were yeah, like, uh, "Well, Corn wasn't it on the first night? They followed Corn. Oh, they followed Corn, yeah, on the first night, and and they were, you know, the promoters were like, you know, thank God, you know, and, and Bush, you know, Machine Head is is a pretty up tempo song, but at the time, you know, Corn and Limp Biscuit, that new metal stuff was the the new Metallica, was the new Anthrax, was the new yeah. you know, Slayer. And so, and we were those angry frat guys with our shirts off and our khaki cargos with the belt and our underwear shown, their hats on backwards, just hating everything around us. So full of testosterone yeah. and, and Winnie and D-Ball. It was crazy, right? Yeah. But I remember that. Like, I remember it being... Um, like, and it was only when it sort of like was was put to me on this documentary. I was I was like, God, it really was like that. Like with the signs, like show us your tits, <laughs> and like yeah. women just being groped left, right, and center. I was like, Oh my god! It was kind of like that era of like American Pie, and mm-hmm. you know, there was so much sexualization, and like men just sort of this this huge, like you say, like huge amounts of testosterone driven angst that they had um, and like kind of sexually frustrated or something like it's a bunch of teenagers who wanted to get laid and like that was all they cared about right exactly and you sort of see it through the through that documentary like how the kind of state that we're all in compared to like 69 when it was a very different world you know and like that just sort of shows where we've come evolutionarily like as people how much kind of hatred there is and where we've come to in that state of mind. And I wonder what it's like now, really. It's kind of maybe we've got a little bit better because I think because we've people are trying to be a little bit more woke and maybe because of the pandemic, people don't want to be like there's all the Me Too movement and stuff like that has probably helped that side of things. I think that's been a big shift. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it's, it's gone for the better now. Well, I got to tell you, when I watch stuff like this, you know, I I, I, I kind of get sick to my stomach. I'm like, God, was I a guy that grabbed an ass, you know, or was I, you know, was I a guy yeah, that, yeah. you know, did, you know, because I know I did things that totally wouldn't be accepted in, in this world today, especially in the radio business. I mean, I would do stuff that I don't even bring up. Not that I'm ashamed of it, but I'm afraid to get canceled. Just and I was like, it happened 25 years ago. I'm sorry, but but, yeah, yeah. but but you can't use the excuse of it was okay then because it really wasn't. It was accepted. Um, it was accepted exactly. That, that you hit the nail on the head. It yeah. was more accepted, but it was never okay. Exactly. Yeah, it was forcefully accepted. You know, I'll even put that in front of it because yeah. if but it was also, I do believe I, I remember there being like amongst men, I remember there being like a pressure to behave that way with your buddies. I, I believe that most men aren't actually like that and were never like that. Like I remember never really being like I, I was brought up in a uh, my, by my mum as a single parent. So like in terms of like my respect for women, I've always had like quite a high respect for women. Um, so I never really did any of that, like grabbing asses stuff. Like I never, but I remember a pressure from mates to kind of do it. Mm-hmm. 
I remember buddies like they would all do it, and I was like, and like a squeeze her girl's ass when like she walks past and stuff. And I was like, I never felt comfortable doing. It. I always felt odd. Yeah, um, <laughs> to just do that because it was just not part of my nature. Yeah, is and it, but is, I remember there being like a peer pressure around it yeah. and a peer pressure to get laid. That was like a huge thing. Like you got to get laid, right? Yeah. Um, you can kind of see where it came from with that like male kind of. I guess my my wife calls it you know toxic masculinity thing because there was a lot of that. That's still around now, but I think there's a huge part of that of like the pressure of what it is to be a man then. Well, and uh, that kind of overtook that. Well, we were latchkey kids. I, you know, I had a single mother, a bunch of stepdads, you know, a couple abusive, and we never learned from good men how to be, you know, not to say that we're not good men now or became good men, but, you know, growing up in that environment, that latchkey environment slash almost dysfunctional to an extent is that you're just assuming that's how you should be. And especially if you've got men coming in and out of your lives or your life dating your mother and... You know, you just hear the stuff that she's bitching and complaining about. You're going, OJ, do I do that? Do I? It's very confusing. So that's where I think a lot of it came from. Um, I'm glad that it's going back, you know, because I, like you, total respect for women. Uh, My wife is my princess. She's the queen. Ten years, two kids, you know, and, and, you know. Take the bullet for that's kind of that's kind of stuff. Her before me. Yeah. And I actually think there's, you know, I think there's a lot of men now that are, um, you know, I, I'd go as far to say that I'm somewhat of like my wife. My wife calls me like a feminist now because I'm so <laughs> pro women. You know, like a lot of the the movies that we're producing, I'm we're always fighting for the women characters and women to be celebrated because we realise when you're trying to get movies made, you know, it's actually there's so many men that will move the needle financially, commercial viability. Um, to get movies made. There's so many men that do that. And there's only a handful of women that really do. So we're, we're really trying to like change that with our, our movies and really celebrate women and have like real strong female leads and stuff. Um, and you'll see that as we make these movies, you'll be like, oh, that's what Tom was talking about. You know, that, that, that's sort of the kind of thing we're trying to do. Well, if you need a uh, recently fired radio personality, now full-time podcaster in one of your movies, Tom, just uh, give me the green light, <laughs> thumbs up, and I'll get on a Spirit Airlines flight, and I'll have her to the UK. I always wanted to visit the UK, so uh, I'll be that there. That sounds great. Yeah. Sounds great. Uh, well, love in the villa before we let you go. Or Nate, do you have any more questions for Tom before we let him go? You good? Okay. Uh, love in the villa, Netflix, out now. Actually, uh, it's, it's like a 50-50, almost 60-40, I would say, Cat Graham your co-star is really the lead in this because it's about her first and she finds you uh, within the movie, but she starts it out. So Kat Graham. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's her story, you know, and it's her, um, you know, she's the one that sets the whole thing off and it's, I'm sort of like the, the thing that puts a spanner in the works really. Um, So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the one that kind of uh, changes her journey. And to where she thought this trip was going to go, but it's her trip, but it's all her journey, yeah. And I and I think she actually lives here in Atlanta. 
uh, if I read correctly. She's a, she does. Yeah, yeah, she lives in Atlanta. Yeah, she does. Yeah, because she's also, like I, I started out the conversation, she's multi-talented. She's a, an amazing singer, you know, and she's, she's put out some albums. She's a dancer, yeah. And a dancer. I mean, she's that total package, top 40, you know, pop princess type of thing. So uh, I'm a fan. Look, uh, I'm so happy that you took all this time uh, with us. Love in the Villa. Please, everyone, watch that on Netflix. The Umbrella Academy. I can't quit it. It's just amazing. You did such a great job. I look forward to seeing what you got in the future. Remember us, please. So when that request comes across your your email, it says, hey, the Bailey Show podcast. You're like, I'm not doing a podcast. Just remember, we were cool, right? We're good buddies now. So please. You're good guys. Yeah, please come back. I appreciate broad. the time, guys. All right, Tom. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, boys. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Look, doing a new kitchen or bath, that's a big undertaking, right? So you want to go to somebody that's like a one-stop shop, like UCI Kitchen and Bath. They've been Atlanta's number one cabinet, granite, and quartz fabricator and installer for the past 20 years. That's what I'm talking about, a one-stop shop. Uh, They provide the installation of whatever you buy. Speaking of, you mentioned the BS, the Bailey Show podcast, and you're getting 10% off your regularly priced countertops. That's a nice little savings, right? You can visit the Norcross, Georgia showroom location. Let their design team transform your kitchen and bathroom into a beautiful and functional environment to fit your personality. It's just upping your property value. You can get with all the latest trends because they got them right there on the showroom. Servicing all of Georgia and parts of Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. How do you get a hold of them? Very simple. UCIGranite.com. The letters UCI, the word granite.com. Look, I know what it's like to start up a small business and run a small business. That's what this is. What can you do to take the next step? Create Graphics can help you out with that. They're a full-service graphics company that specializes in graphic design, and they've got some really good ones in-house. Wide format printing and graphic installation. Specializing, again, in vehicle wraps, corporate events, interior and exterior events, graphic design, and apparel. A lot of the stuff of the BS Podcast, if not all the stuff, comes from Create Graphics. CreateGraphics.net. That's C-R-E-A-T-E. G-R-A-P-H-I-X dot net or 770-369-9962. That's 770-369-9962. Serving Metro Atlanta and shipping worldwide. Create graphics. They definitely know what they're doing. Excellent customer service and communication in every project will get a one-on-one experience from start to finish. Again, create graphics with an X dot net. Son of a bitch. I'll be loving you forever, just as long as you subscribe to The Bailey Show. Nobody is going to save you now. If you like what you hear, then get a full seven days a week plus of new content by subscribing. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. And back to you, Jason. Nikki D's a little snippy today. I was staring at her. Just staring at her. Who stares at people, though? I was trying to give you a compliment. I was going to say, like, your hair looks nice, your makeup looks nice. I was going to say something nice to you. And you look at me and you're like, what? What are you looking at? Because it's rude to stare at people. And then I I know how you are when it comes to me and eating. So I thought you were staring at me because you're going to say, you're chewing so loud. What are you eating cookies for? It's morning time. Like something that you'd say to me. This is why you don't have a man in your life. 
is because you can't have a romantic man look at you <laughs> without you jumping to conclusions thinking, oh, what? You're going to talk about my shoes? First of all, you're not a romantic man that needs to be gazing at me. And normally you would complain how I eat grapes. So, yes, excuse me if you have given me uh, trauma. I, I, I will say this. You are a little bit. Uh, you're kind of a noisy chewer. You are. <laughs> Just a little bit. Who chews silent? Uh, well, anyone with manners? <laughs> That's what you're supposed oh, to. I mean, so you keep your mouth shut. My mouth was shut and you still were staring at me. <laughs> it's kind of like you're grazing. <laughs> Chewing your cud. Well, I have to chew my food up well. It gets stuck in my throat. Look, there's nothing wrong with learning some manners, no, no matter what age you are. Well, you learn some manners because it's rude to stare at people. I wasn't staring. I was getting ready. Like, I, it was within milliseconds. I'm, I'm looking at you, getting ready to give you a compliment before I could even open my mouth. You're jumping all up on my case. I mean, it was like milliseconds, Nate. I like turned to her and I look and I'm like, <gasps> and jumps down my throat. Can you imagine a man in her life? And how horrible, I mean, that's like domestic violence stuff coming from her. <laughs> they were, well, she's just to find one that likes to, because there's those people um, that like to watch people eat, like, uh, what was it, Nikki, like YouTube or yes. TikTok or something like that? <laughs> oh. Yeah, he's got, he's got to find one of those guys that watch those videos, and then he'll be set. Now, truth be told, I do like to watch people eat. You know that. I yeah, like, you said you like to watch fat girls eat cheeseburgers and cry. I, but I'm not talking about you with the weight or anything and cry. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I if I wasn't watching you eat because I was enjoying it, but if you do <laughs> want to eat, what is this, the Cheez-It Grooves, if you'd like to eat the Cheez-It Grooves, I would be appreciative if you'd let me stare at you for a couple minutes. I don't want you to stare at me. <laughs> that would be staring, but I'm asking permission. How about take just take a bite of the Belveda pumpkin now the pumpkin's back. Oh, my mouth is closed. Not anymore. But I'm I you have a good chew face. Because I chew properly. She got a good chew face. She it's like creates the dimples on the side. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love watching people eat. Love it. Is this something I can't about? even believe I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> love watching people eat. Yeah, pumpkin's back, man. Oh, God, love it. Mm. Excited. Yeah, daughter brought me some pumpkin Starbies, a scone, a drink. A little too sweet with a drink, but nonetheless. Uh, quiet quitting. We talked about that, right? Quiet quitting? Yeah. That was when... You have a job, but you're kind of on the outs. Before, it's just called phoning it in. But, you know, you, you, you just do the bare minimum. You're not doing anything more than what you need to do. And you're like, I really need to quit this job. So I'm going to do exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, which is kind of weird to say, right? You get paid to do a job. You do that job, but they say you're not doing enough. And I understand that. Actually, I buy into that. I think you should do more than what's expected of you. Um, just that's what you do as a, as a teamwork, you know. You, mm -hmm. you, sometimes you got to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, in a career, maybe not so much a job. Like if your job is to, well, even if, like say you do construction and you're going in to do a remodel of a kitchen and your job is to put the tile up on the wall. Your job not necessarily is some of the cleanup, but if 
you can help pitch in with the cleanup, you help pitch in with the cleanup. I think no matter what your job is, you should do your best and put your best foot forward to help the person that's coming behind you. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you work at McDonald's. Nate does not agree with any of this. I know he doesn't. Look at him. No, yeah. no, because that, that's how they take advantage of you. And this is the the quiet quitting is not a new thing. It's it's usually called work to rule, and it's a uh, technique for employees to what they do is everybody does exactly what their job is their job description is, and it slows down productivity. So um, it's kind of like a it's like pro not protesting, but like uh, almost like striking, but you're not you're not going on strike. You're still doing your job. You're just doing the bare minimum. And it's a tool that they'll use to be able to like negotiate with management for better things. So it's kind of always been a thing, but now I think it's more in the forefront. Well, that's not very smart. You don't negotiate by doing less. You got to negotiate. Well, you do if everybody does, because then they, then they're making less money and people are doing less work, but you they can't fire you because you're doing their job still. Oh, yeah, that's where you're wrong. They will find. Did I? Did you steal that ream of paper eight years ago? You know that's against company policy. They'll find a way. They'll find a way to get rid of you. You know, it's there's not a right or wrong answer. I understand what you're saying. I understand the concept. I'm not. And I'm even going to say I probably have done it at some point of my in my life just because I was disgruntled. Um, I don't buy into it. I don't. I don't think it's the right thing to do. You know, but it's not because I yelled at my coworkers just the other day for not restocking the damn water. I'm sick of being the only one to do it. Oh, if I had a nickel for people that don't restock water. (laughs) 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 That's the that's the biggest problem at Nikki D's job. Those (laughs) motherfuckers don't stock that water. I slapped a taste out of their mouth. (laughs) So that's quiet quitting. Now there's now the term quiet firing. Have you heard of quiet firing? Uh, I have not. Oh, okay. Isn't that where they get rid of somebody and then you get an email that just says, they're not here, don't ask questions? Uh, oh, actually, yeah, I have. <laughs> Nikki Nikki was quiet fired. Exactly. <laughs> they, they just didn't say anything and acted like she never existed. Very professional. <laughs> Very professional. Thank you, Nate. <laughs> Is that, how's that how you're fired? Yes. There, I don't think I even got an email. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yeah, not as I, I don't know anything about that, but it was never addressed as far as no. I know because I saw listeners asking what happened to you. Never. Oh, yeah. Well, they that so radio's different. They're not going to address it, of course. Like, well, I, they should. It, it's shitty that they don't. I it's agree. A, it's a bad move in the industry. I agree. I've always agreed with that. <laughs> I You could not be more right. But that's just not, for some reason, how they do it. Now, not every radio company or station does it. You know, there have been send-offs and so on and so forth. And, you know, there's some radio people that do it right. Like, I could sit here and just just absolutely trash my former co-people or whatever the fuck they were. Uh, and they're not going to say a thing. They can't. I mean, they'll allude to it. They'll make little, what they find creative little jabs on the air and feel like they're tough. But the company policy is they can't talk about me. I'm untouchable, right? They, they, they will not go because, one, they don't have the balls to do it. And, two, they're, the way they look at it and have been told, as much as they would love to rip me, I'm sure, in numerous ways, is that uh, you know, the, the audience has forgotten about them. There's a, even though I still, after almost a year, people saying I miss you in mornings. Yeah. Like, like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, you haven't let it go. Um. Which is nuts. I mean, I know what they have now is not good, but like I've moved on with my life. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a studio with Nikki D in it. Who's, 
he's disgruntled and he's loud. <laughs> I'm not disgruntled. Uh, okay, so Are you qu- quiet fire nerd? Is that what's happening? That's what right. <laughs> Actually, talk talk again, Nikki. <laughs> yeah, see, there she's off. I turned her mic down. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's how I quiet fire people. Uh, so here's a, it's a trending thing. Quiet fire. You might have seen it. It's trending somewhere. Uh, it, it's constructive dismissal is another term. Or managing out is another term. And it's when your boss or manager doesn't like you. Never had that happen in my life. Or (laughs) once you've gone for whatever reason, never had that happen in my life either. But instead of firing you, they micromanage you, stop involving you, or use passive-aggressive tactics to make your life miserable until you quit. So I've had my last situation. That's exactly what happened, but I didn't quit. Right. Because I knew that's what they wanted me to do. But you were close. No, I did actually at one time. And then they <laughs> asked me back because they didn't have a plan B. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to take the money and I will quiet quit for the next three years. <laughs> 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 Until they loudly fire me. Loudly fire you because it was not quiet. Right. So uh, here's some real world examples. A person's manager used to slowly reduce the hours of people he didn't like until they were eventually never scheduled. I have seen that. Yeah, seen that too. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, quiet firing. An assistant's desk got moved from an office to the corner of the copy room, and the office went to an intern. Wow, that's that re- a slap in the face. Remind you of anyone, Nate? Yeah. yeah have you seen my, my stapler? stapler? <laughs> Stanley. Uh, or no, Milton. It was Milton. Milton. The the stapler yeah. was Stanley, but the, the guy was Milton. Yep. Uh, uh, okay. A manager kept adding more and more to a woman's workload until it was overwhelming, but no one else got additional work. Yeah. And this is all within the rules. So, right? You can't fight it. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Right? I would assume it's like also not giving anyone a raise for, you know, a really long time. Just kind of keep even if they're doing better, they you just don't ever reward them in any way. So they they don't you're not firing them. They just maybe don't want to work there anymore. <laughs> We've had some quiet firing happen at my job. Three people in the last three weeks. Quiet firing. They quit. Oh, they uh, that's that's quiet. Firing. Yeah, that's quiet firing. Yeah, so yeah. they pushed them. They pushed them, and then they it's that damn quit. water storage. <laughs> that's what's pushing me. They had other issues though. One lady, she had been there twenty five years and quit. Really? Yeah. Well, pushed her over the edge. I think that they don't like my boss. So when he came in, it's really hard for them to adjust and you know third world problems. Well, see, I saw like in my situation, I saw this a mile away. I told you guys this when that uh, new dude, the alcoholic guy, came in. And uh, he started playing music. And I was like, this guy's got an agenda. I know he's got an agenda. And so I was like, all right, you want to play that game? I'll play this game with you. You know, so I played the game with him. You know, and, and in order to trump his music card, I put in my contract that he's not allowed to play two song, any more than two songs. I was like, ha-ha, I'll play your two songs. I'll do less work, which fine with me. Eh, but you can't play any more. You know, so that was that was my way of getting back because his boss doesn't even like him, <laughs> but they, he thinks he likes him, but he hates him because he told me that. So you know, you kind of have to play the game a little bit. 
Yeah, that's I, true. You got to play the game. Well, I'll make a promise to you. I will not quiet fire you. I'll tell you straight up in your face. You're out of here. <laughs> and that you will. You're out of here. No problems. Yeah. You're out of here. Hit the road, Jack. Yeah, just hit the road. There's no doubt about it. Uh, did you watch Serena the other night? I did not. I'm so sorry that I missed that. Oh, my gosh. Why are you talking to me like that? Talking to you like what? I missed you're being, it. You're being patronizing. You're, you're <laughs> sarcastic. No, I'm not. Borderline rude. How? Serena Williams. You said, did I watch it? I said, no, I'm so sorry I missed it. This is her final tournament, the U.S. Open. Darn. How do you not see this? I haven't seen it. Well, she doesn't watch tennis. Why would she watch it? <laughs> because it's Serena. Well, one, she's an African-American woman. Oh, that here is. here we go. All right, here we go. Here we go. I, if I were an African-American <laughs> man, I would be proud of what this woman has done. I am proud of her. That doesn't mean I got to watch tennis. You watch the support. I mean, she's a game changer. She broke the color. Well, she didn't break the color barrier. But so did Tiger Woods. She, I don't watch golf. Exactly. Tiger Woods. Did this. I mean, these people are changing the world for the better. And that's great. I don't have to watch it, though. I'm more black right now than you are. No, you're not. You just watched tennis. Yeah, I watched <laughs> Serena Williams because <laughs> I have an appreciation for what both Serena and Venus Williams ha- have done, not only from the, for the sport, but for, 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 for they've changed the culture where, you know, tennis has always been the country club, lily white uh, kind of snooty type of sport for years. That's what it's always been. Still, to to, to an extent, it is now too. Um, and anytime you turn on that television, you know, with the exception of maybe Arthur Ashe, back in the day, it would be all white people, right? And it's be- obviously it's because of the the economic upbringing. I watched the movie. Okay, the movie was okay. It was pretty the movie good. Movie was phenomenal. And so, uh, what these girls did is growing up in Compton. They, they 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 trained their asses off, pushed by their father, and they they made it to a stage. And they dealt with the huge share of adversity uh, coming Racism. into that sport. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Miami tennis tournament. I mean, that was the the tournament for Serena where she almost didn't go back because of some some racist comments that were made. I remember when Tiger Woods uh, first uh, entered the pro tour. Uh, one of the old school golfers made a fried chicken comment. Yes. It was just like, you know, I mean, Jeez. It, yeah, I know. But it was, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing in my sport? This is for white people type of thing. So and this isn't some white privilege on a you know mountaintop screaming down type of thing or, or white guilt. I just, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a tennis fan. I love her game and, and, and I like what she's done. And she married a white guy, you know? On top of all that, she dated Common too. I love him. Common, yes. Okay, is he is he brothers with Basic? No, he's oh. a very famous rapper. Oh, Common, you know Common. Oh, he's the bald headed guy. Yes, I know Common yep. is. Oh, look at you knowing something. Yes, word, word, Nikki. word. <laughs> he was in John Wick. <laughs> word. He was. In, he's actually been in a couple movies. A lot of movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With Queen Latifah. He was in uh, what's that movie? Um, Suicide Squad. Dear, uh, it was he was been between the two words. He was common, or comma. No, <laughs> oh, he's common. Sorry, I was trying to make a comma joke. <laughs> kind of felt. Anyway, so she, you know, comes out. The U.S. Open is. Uh, she says she's retiring afterwards, and um, she comes out. And this poor girl, she had to play, who was seated like twenty four in the tournament. Doesn't matter when you play somebody like Serena, even though she's not seated because she hasn't been playing a lot. You know, the crowds 
just all about Serena. I mean, like you got no chance, you know, because you you feed off that energy, and you're sitting there going, "This woman's good. She's a good tennis player. She hits the ball hard, but she didn't have a chance." It's just the crowd. You have to have the next level mental skill in order to beat that New York crowd. And so Serena pretty much crushes her. It was like six two, six three, or something to that effect. And then, but when she comes out, like, now, don't get it twisted. I, I ain't beating up on anybody. I'm just observing some things. Uh-huh. As a professional tennis tournament announcer guy, and I do things a little bit differently. As uh, Tennis.com said uh, that I was the, uh, the, the excitement of a gravelly W, uh, I'm, I'm, the exciting MC who possesses a gravelly WWE style. Oh, wow. That was a huge compliment for you. Yeah, I'll take that. Because it was they said that about the New York tournament, not the U.S. Open, but it was a, which doesn't exist anymore. I did the first year of that. Mm-hmm. The tournament didn't do well. Man, it was not very good. <laughs> who would have thought a tennis tournament in February in Long Island? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Shoot and miss? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, but I, he said I was the most exciting thing at the tournament. Okay. Because I've got so much energy mm-hmm. in the way that I, that I am. See, so I'm watching Serena come out, and I knew it was going to be like this because I, I don't know the guy, but I know who does the introductions. He's actually got a great voice. He's not very good looking, so they never put him on camera. And but he's just the off to the side, and he just sees the microphone? Yeah, but, I mean, he does a lot of big things. Like, he's a big deal in, the, I guess, the industry. He does a lot of voice stuff, and, you know, he's in that New York crowd and whatnot. So they uh, they bring her out, and it's like the goat, Serena Williams, and that's how all the announcements are done at the U.S. Open. And I'm like, how would you have done it? Oh my god, <laughs> are you kidding me? I want to hear how you would have done it. There would be a lead up to it, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for the goat? You know. 15-time na-na-na-na champion, 12-time na-na-na-na champion, playing in her final professional tennis career tournament. Ladies and gentlemen, get on your feet. Make some noise for the GOAT, Serena Williams! That got me riled up. See what I'm saying? (laughs) Can you do that in tennis, though? I thought tennis was quiet. Well, that's the problem, is they... (laughs) They, they, they're like kind of blah, you know, and they, you've got to give the same announcement for everybody because you don't want to put some, what, yeah, you got to have a good versus evil. You're in, you know, you've got the American versus the non-American. You've got the goat versus the not goat. You know, you're going to have to take a hit. You're playing the heel. Sorry, woman. It's just your job tonight. You just got to deal with it. It's not my rules. They're just the rules. You know, so put, I mean, you could put her over. Ladies and gentlemen, from Tasmania, seated number 24 in the, you know, give her, give her her due. There's no, you don't want to be disrespectful. But when you got a, a, a plat, like something as big as this, Serena Williams. I mean, it was really that blase. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, I even made a comment on social media. like, all right, here's a dick move. I want to make a comment on social media. I was like, because, you know, I am available if you decide to want to go in a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some time on my hands. <laughs> you know, and then, and then and, okay, so here we go. Then afterwards, um, they, they, they 
they bring out, they, they do this whole ceremony. Like it, it was, it was the first round of the tournament. This is not normal, but she could lose. She plays the, well, actually, you know, by the time we hear this, she might've already lost. The next person she plays is the number two seed. So there's a good chance. So this might be the last time they're able to do this. Right. Okay. Like I, I was wondering last night, I'm like, what if she didn't win? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what was your plan B? <laughs> right. So, so the, so the match is over and they see this little like quirky guy. He's like the, the court manager and he's got his headset, but his headset isn't on. And you know, damn well, somebody's yelling at him. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And he's like pulling people and Serena's got to do this. And they're trying to get pictures. And it's just an absolute mess. They bring out Gail Kim, right? Oprah's best friend. The only reason this woman has got a job is because she's Oprah Winfrey's best friend. Hey, perks. And, oh, oh, Gail King or Gail King. What, what did I say? Yeah. Gail Kim. I think that's a wrestler, right? It is a wrestler. It's an Asian wrestler. I Ga- thought he was saying yeah. Gail and Kim. Both of them were there. It's a, country, yeah. it's a country band. They performed and they knocked it out of the park. <laughs> hey, everybody, we're Gail and Kim. We like everybody, you and Tim. We're all here watching tennis match. Oh, I can't wait till those eggs hatch. I like breakfast every day. I get up in the morning. I say, hey, ah, oh, Serena. Ah, oh, Serena. Ah, oh, Serena, come play with me. Gail and Kim, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Gail and Kim. <laughs> So how is she not the number one seed if I mean how is she not seeded if she's like the number one in the world? She's not number one in the world. She's not even ranked. Serena Williams? She is. Well, I mean she's ranked, but she's not like top ten or anything. She's probably huh. like I don't know. She might even be in the hundreds. Wait, you Serena have to continuously yeah. play to keep your ranking. You don't, it's yeah. not like grandfathered in. Yeah, yeah. You uh, you okay. have to you every tournament you play, you get points. Bet you didn't know I knew that, did you? No, I think it's called common sense. Oh, no, it's not. It's like your buddy, common. (laughs) (laughs) Just with some sense on the end of it. (laughs) Yeah, so you got to, she hasn't played much, you know, so she, yeah, so I mean, when in in her prime, she's playing every tournament and winning every tournament. And when you do that, you accumulate a lot of points, which makes you number one in the world. You know, like they, you would say Roger Federer uh, is still the GOAT, number one, right? He's the best. Well. He's not even top 10. Uh, Djokovic, who is the number one in the world, is not going to be anymore because he can't play in the U.S. Open because he's one of those anti-vaxxer guys. And you got to be vaccinated in order to to play. Uh, So, you know, that's just kind of how it is. Anyway, so uh, Gail King comes out. And I, I'm not watching, but I'm listening. I'm in my, like, my, my sink. I'm brushing my teeth, and I can hear the television, and I'm, and this woman is fucking talking forever. I'm going, I thought you're supposed to be interviewing Serena Williams. And I walk out, and I guess they hired her to make some speech. Uh, and then they go to this, this already produced package uh, with Oprah Winfrey narrating it. And I don't mind Oprah. I like Oprah. That's fine. And, uh, and, and, and so it's, and it was a good package, like really, really strong. And it just showed everything. It was really, really cool. So then comes the Q&A part of this. And Gail King uh, is is got these note cards. So now she's turned into Jay Leno. Like, you can't do an interview at this level of your career without note cards. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, and, it, and, and, and that's that's a lot of the reason, like, I won't... Um, there will be certain aspects where I won't go on camera. I'll ask not to be put on camera because there's certain 
there's specific things that I need to know that I have written down. And I think when you go on camera and you have a clipboard in your hand or note cards, I think it looks trashy. So there's a lot of times where I'll tell them, don't put me on camera. I don't want to be on camera. Uh, you don't want to be on ESPN. You don't want to be on t- tennis show. No, I don't because I, there's so much stuff here. I've got to know it. Right. So I'd rather the conversation be good versus me. So I see that chair tap at nine, five point two four. You know, it just sounds stupid. Right. So they're reading off these cards. She would ask this extremely long winded question. Serena would answer and she's, you know, obviously trained to answer and she's personable and she knows what she's doing. And this Gail chick's cutting her off like in the middle of it because she wants to get to the next question because she knew that she only had so much time and had all these questions interviewing one-on-one. You might not get to everything interviewing one-on-one point B. She does that a lot though. If you don't get to it, that means you had a good conversation you know, what did I always tell you about the radio shows? I would have all this shit planned and all this stuff and on the planner and floats and stuff. But when you only get to a quarter of it, it's the best show or the best shows because something organic happened. Right. Yeah. How the fuck does this woman not know this shit? It was driving me insane. How do these people get this far in life at this level of that career when they're horrible? Horrible, absolutely horrible. She knows Oprah. I guess so. You know, and it was like this, you know. So then there was a rude moment towards the end. She's asking, she asks a question. I forget what the question was. Uh, that's how compelling this, this interview was. And she's asking a question and Serena's answering it and she cuts her off. And the way she cuts her off is, okay, uh-huh, good. I, and I've got to ask, and then she goes to the next question. Like, oh my God, Jeez. like you don't have zero transition skills. Very upset about this whole thing. And this could have been the last interview Serena Williams did on stadium court in her career. And it was horrible. Horrible. Not because of her, but because of the person they had asking her the question. Just horrible. Is she is she a big tennis? This Gail King, is she That's the other like, thing. I have no idea. I, no. I Yeah, I, I was just wondering why they would pick her of all people. Well, I mean, we, you obviously can assume why they picked her. Because of the network nah. that she's a part of. And she does a lot of, of these big interview with big-time people. She's the one who interviewed R. Kelly. Well, I'm sure so they just have her interview all these people because she works with CBS. Well, she's not a very good interviewer, I got to say. She's not. I, I'd rather see Oprah. Get Oprah out there. What's she doing? I haven't seen her for years. Mm. Oprah ain't coming out of her house for real. And you should have you had somebody that knew their stuff. Right. That that it knows tennis, you know, because like in the industry, there's always been the saying is that African-American athletes would prefer to be interviewed by African-American broadcasters or white girls with blonde hair for the guys that just that's true. That's sorry. It's a might sound racist, but that's true. Why is that? I, that's what they prefer. And you're catering to the interviewee. Hmm. I lost the job well, because of that reason uh, for a basketball show. Because they said that the players would much rather talk to this guy okay. versus me. And he was black, you know. Maybe they didn't think you knew basketball. Well, I did know basketball <clears throat> at the time. I knew a lot about basketball. But I see it even now today. You know, the, the, the definition of diversity to certain people is really twisted. I agree with that. Diversity is a mix of different things, races, creeds, whatever. 
It is not just one thing that's different than what you think the norm is. That's not diversity. And I've seen it. You know, I've been uh, a part of it. I've seen it happen. It's happened to me where they bring somebody in because there needs to be diversity and they're horrible. They don't know shit about what's going on, but they got the gig because whoever wanted more diversity, God forbid you throw the white guy out there that knows what he's doing is pretty damn good at it. You know? So that, it just bothers. I mean, that's why people become racist is because of that kind of shit. That is not why people become racist. Well, it's one of the reasons, not every reason. There's a lot of reasons. You went too far with that. Fucking Duke's a hazard car. That's what started <laughs> oh it all. <laughs> that damn stars and bars weren't on the top, then we wouldn't have as many racist people here today. But, you know, that's that's what people do is they then they start to compare, right? They go, uh, well, if they do it, I can do it. Or if they say it, I can say it. Or if that's happening to me because of that, then fuck you. That's racist. I'm going to do this. It's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's the mentality. That's what, that's what, that's what, I can tell you, that's what our folks think. I can tell you that. Think what? Well, the, 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 that's what they say. They're like, well, if they can say it, I can say it. That, that doesn't have anything to do with racism. I just think that's. Well, I'm just giving us an example. Yeah. You know, go ahead. Those white people do some more crazy things. You, you actually do. <laughs> you actually do. You guys talk about that in like a circle? Like, yeah. I, was, I, was, I worked with this white guy the other day. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> Yep, we do. Do you really? Yeah. No. It's, I mean, I yeah, know yeah. one of the biggest things that is talked about just on a, a a level of movies, the white people always fall down. Doesn't matter. They're always going to get caught by the person chasing them. Why? Oh, that's funny. I've never Why? thought about that. <laughs> I can answer, but I'd be racist if I did. You tell me. <laughs> Y'all can't run fast. I don't know. <laughs> Well, it's because they, they somebody has to die, you, you know. <laughs> so why is it always the black guy always gets killed in the horror movies? And they always kill the black guy first. <laughs> he can't ever get out the door and run, but the white people get out and run and they fall. So why why does a black guy never get out of the horror movies? I don't know. They don't want him to stay on there long. That's what we that's what we conclude. Oh, they don't want us in that. Well, think about it. Have you ever seen a black guy fall down? I haven't. No, that's that's why I said that's brilliant. I've never even thought about that before. That's absolutely a brilliant statement. It's funny as shit, dude. Well, that would be like saying, uh, the stereotype would be like saying, every movie with water, the black guy always drowns. Right. You tell me why that is. <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell you. No, I mean, I'm just even mean in real life. Never seen a black guy trip or fall. Uh, yeah, you are correct. It's like, even if he did a little bit, he'd just like pimp walk and be like, What's it? it'd, be, it'd be a cool trip. Or, you know, you're watching the award shows and there's always a woman with a long dress and they always trip and fall. It's always the white women that trip and fall. It's yeah. never the black ladies. Black women are smarter than that. They're like, I can't wear that long dress and these high heels. Exactly. Did you see some of the get ups at the, the, the VMAs? Was- yeah. Yeah. I caught a little bit of it. It, uh. The, like the the girl dresses, yeah. I was uh, well every every dresses <laughs> like every uh, and I was trying not to be too judgy because I'm like, all right, this is just not my thing anymore. You know, it's very hard when you grow up with MTV to say it's not your thing, right? You know, you you grow up a part of pop culture. You feel like you're fairly knowledgeable of pop culture or over the average, I guess I would say for me, of pop culture, and then you look at what today's pop culture is, and you're clueless. Mm-hmm. Nothing, not a zero, you know? And then you feel even older 
when you think an artist that you are aware of is still a new artist. And now they're getting like yeah. Vanguard awards, you know, icon awards and stuff. And then the chili peppers go up there and then you feel really old. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a thing. Anthony Kiedis looks like uh, the uncle in Napoleon dynamite. Uh, Rach, like that, that porn stash and like the bowl cut and everything. Yeah. Rach goes, is he going for the pedophile serial killer? Look, what is that all about? You know, and you're wondering like those kids have no idea the chili peppers. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, the Chili Peppers are playing and the place is going nuts. These kids have no idea. And they're they're listening. I mean, some of this music that was playing was horrible. I mean, it's all tracked. There was this skinny black girl. I guess they had like a side stage. And she was maybe 18, dancing like a fucking stripper. And the song, she was just tracking the song. And she's so young in her career, she doesn't realize that the microphone needs to be by her mouth in order to make it look like she's singing. So she's just like, you know, just dancing in unison and shoving her ass out. And so I'm like, this is fucking horrible. You know, Lizzo got, I knew Lizzo, right? I'm like, I'm a Lizzo fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lizardite or whatever we're called. And she gets up there and she's got a fucking chain that toes boats wrapped around her face, up her nose, into her ear. I'm like, dude, you jerk your head. You're going to fucking rip some shit out, man. <laughs> yeah. Also, maybe leave Cheech and Chong off next year until they learn how to read. No, 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 no. Here's the problem. Stop. And I think this is a joke that these TV people do to the older artists or whatever you want to call them. Stop making the teleprompter so far away. <laughs> like, or give them just lines to remember. Hello. You know, but the, you could see that they couldn't read the teleprompter. Same thing happened with Brian Johnson with ACDC. When they performed, I forget what the show was, he couldn't, he didn't, he, had, he needed the words to their new song. And he couldn't read the words. You could see him squinting as, as he was reading. Or put some fucking glasses on, you know? Yeah, or just don't hire people that can't read from far away. <laughs> <laughs> the teleprompter goes fast in their defense. It's not easy to read the teleprompter. Well, it's not supposed to. It's supposed to go with your cadence. You know, tell any teleprompter software it it identifies your cadence so when you stop talking it stops talk or it stops rolling and then when you pick it up it goes you know that's how it's supposed to be yeah it Not should be it sounded it looked like it was just rolling and they were trying to keep up yeah i guess lizzo Go fuck yourself san diego i i guess yeah i guess lizzo uh is having the beef with ari spears right that's the that's the big beef because he i think called a, made her a fat joke lizzo has beef with a lot of people oh because she got up there she's like <laughs> This ain't the time to get into the media, but I tell you, I'm winning. I'm winning. You know, that kind of did one of those things. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, <laughs> I, I think I think you're more wrapped up in your life than the rest of the world. You know, I'm sure your fans are wrapped up in your life. But in the whole scheme of things, nobody cares <laughs> about a Lizzo beef with whomever. I don't know who, who she beef with. Ari Spears is a comedian. Oh, I know Ari Spears is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She just beefs with a lot of people. Like, um, there's something recent that happened with her and Rihanna because Rihanna po posted this video where she dipped her mango in the ocean and cut it and ate it. So then Lizzo went and did it and said that she was copying off Rihanna, and people went nuts. Why? About this video. Because, number one, it was nasty. The, but the biggest thing people were mad at her about was how she cut the mango. People are weird. Oh, 
That's the beef. That was the biggest thing they were mad so about. So Rihanna and Lizzo were beefing over a mango in the Well, they're ocean. not really beefing, oh. but Rihanna was just like, she misinformed people. Like, she didn't dip her fruit in the water and eat it, cut. She dipped it, cut it, then ate it. I can't believe we're actually even having this conversation That's right what now. happened. This is the dumbest yeah. thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> Well, not even us. These people are like millionaires, and and these other people follow them. Like, I can't believe that's something that these people follow. It made the shade room. Oh, and, and the and the other the other thing about this, the, I, I couldn't watch it all, but it, it was every other word out of their mouth is a cuss word. So you know, and, and the the censors will get most of them, but you don't understand what they're saying. Oh yes, it, it, it's it's like it's 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 bleep bleep or silence silence, and I guess you know because it's MTV and. All the different channels, they run this on all their networks at the same time. So it's on Nickelodeon. And I'm like, if I have Nickelode- if I have a kid that watches Nickelodeon and you just put that on the screen with what they're saying, I'm really upset with you right now. I don't care if it's Nick at night or, or what. You can't have that. Nickelodeon's for kids. You can't you can't have some girl tapping her crotch. And cussing every other fucking word on Nickelodeon. You just can't do that. The cartoons curse now. No, there is no cartoon on Nickelodeon. Hey, fuck you, Stimpy. Fuck you, Ren. They don't say that. They have cartoons that curse now. Not on Nickelodeon, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they do not. I disagree. There's no way. Yes, they do. Nickelodeon's for kids. Well, we had we did have Ren and Stimpy, and that that was extremely dirty. (laughs) I mean, then maybe they're just doing profanity now, but it's always been edgy. Yeah, edgy's different than dirty. I mean, like the idea of making, you know, some of these cartoons, you know, parent friendly, uh, but, you know, kids don't know what's going on and that kind of, I mean, I, I get it. So, but anyway, I just, it, was, it was just bad. Everything about it. Just, I didn't realize it this, sucks. the K-pop had like taken over so much. It's all these K-pop bands. I was like, I know like two, but there was a lot of that, you know, um, in the, in the new music scene now, I guess. There's a whole category. Yeah, I yeah. didn't realize that. And, and, and then, like, the last one was, and Lisa. Yeah, <laughs> La Lisa. <laughs> and I was like, I told Rachel, please have Lisa win. I just want, I just, I don't, I don't want the whole band. I just want Lisa. Who the fuck's Lisa? And Lisa, and it was like, the winner is Lisa. I was like, oh, this is cool. I wonder if she's there. Well, they put Lisa not in the normal section. Lisa was in where the poor people sit. And so Lisa walks down, and Lisa goes up, and I was like, is she Korean? Is she even Asian? I say she goes, it was like, she was, tr- looks like she was trying too hard to speak broken English. Like, ah, she's phony baloney. She's from Montana. Her mom's from Hawaii. And they put her in this K-pop world. And this is all phony baloney. I didn't believe any of this stuff. Then she had her friends, her little Korean friends. She's like, you know, Asian word, Asian word, Asian word. And then they did the heart thing with their hands. Asian word, Asian word, Asian word. <laughs> it's like, uh, that'll get people to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that. Uh, there is some rapper dude that has a song with uh, the chick from uh, the the Black Eyed Peas. And that, Fergie? Uh, yeah, Fergie. That sucked. And the rapper guy sucked. And that the Fergie thing sucked. <laughs> it was just like everything sucked. I'm sorry to be so negative. There was like, I was excited for the Snoop Dogg Eminem thing. And it turned into a fucking video game. I was oh, like, that was cool. It was like the metaverse, the metaverse. I guess I, I mean, I, I guess you're trying to do something different and new, but you know, I'm not all into the metaverse stuff. It's, it's becoming very, very popular. Like, People are posting about it on social media. One of our old coworkers, like he has his own club in there and 
other radio people drop into his club and he gives them shout outs on his Instagram. I'm like, wow, this is taking off. We just need one of those goggles, right? Those oculuses. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it, I think it's helpful. The, the award shows now because they don't have to be there if they don't want to. Like who was the, that did um, the concert? Was it Kane Brown? Was it bad? Oh no. Was it bad bunny that did the concert at a Yankee stadium? I don't know. I know Kane Brown did it in Jersey on a different stage, and he's gone pop, I guess. But that's all I saw. I don't know. Oh, I thought he was there. No, he was. He was at an off location. He was in Jersey. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I think Bad Bunny was uh, at the the Yankee Stadium or whatever. So I don't know. It's kind of cool, I guess, that now they don't have to be there. But rather than people that are accepting awards and they're like, oh, they couldn't be here tonight, so I guess we'll just move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, they're always there now. You know, yeah. If you're if you're winning an award, they're like if you if you're not going to be there, they're not giving it to you. You got to be there in order to get your award. Yeah. So, oh my god. This is, no, it is. It's just that's that's how it is. All right, we'll do uh, better with fucking in a second. I, I want to bring this up before I forget. Um, actually, you know what? I could say I could. I'm going to hold this on to the next. This is this is good. Hold this to the next one. We got the weirdest Airbnb request for our cabin. So weird. I'm terrified of this guest. I don't know what's going to happen. But we approved it because of the, 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 the unknown. Ooh. Yeah, I know. And then I guess we just had somebody stay there. It's kind of a big deal, at least on social media. But he's got all these buddies, and he's hanging out with, he's hanging out with. Uh, well, what Lisa. makes you think he's a Lisa. big deal? Because I'm looking at Rach just sent me his social media. He's a uh, he's a big deal. Well, why are you guys creeping on his social media? What made you look him up? Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, Rach sent it to me. Is he hanging out with somebody that you can identify with? Yeah. Who? Well, it's not important because I don't want to call this person out. But, I mean, not. I, I know. I met this guy. I know that guy. You know? <laughs> Why can't you just take the story and be happy for me? Because I want references. Uh, what, like names? Yeah. No, that's. I'm I'm pod vegging. Pod vegging? <laughs> <laughs> Vague potting. Vague potting. Yeah, that's it. Vague pot. That's right. You know, I'm trying to get Nikki to do her own segment. You know, like we all have our own segment. And they're great because they're sponsorable and, and whatever. So I said you should do, you know, because that's all she does is vague book. So I, I thought she should do a, a, I forget what the name we came up with. but We didn't come up with a name. I have some names. Okay. Have but she would just do a segment that's extremely vague. <laughs> We got to figure out what the fuck she's talking about. Cause she's got so much heat in her life. Like if you follow Nikki D on social media, every other 10 minutes, there's a post of, Oh, I know who you are. And you know, I know who you are. <laughs> Don't expect me to bring you cookies tomorrow night. Peace out. You know? Okay. What are you talking about? Like Nikki D posts on social media for one person. Like she's talking just the one person, everybody. Else, we're just a pawn in this game of Nikki D chess. It's, it's, it's the Nikki D verse. You know, she just, she got a pro. Oh, so you remember me. I'm the one with the sprinkles on my donuts and you gave me the weird eye. Don't think I didn't put sugar in your gas tank when I left the double D today. Like, okay. I double Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. But who, what, it, what, weird eye. What else is like, what did you do? Sugar. Really? Oh, okay. People piss me off. I know, and you go after them. And sometimes yeah. I can't add them. If I can add it's you, the, I will. It's no. the blurry tea with Nikki D. Yeah. <laughs> the blurry tea with Nikki D. <laughs> oh, that's good, Nate. That's better than my two names. You, you never go Jeez. after them. You never call them out. 
Oh, I, I have added people, yes. Yeah, I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I assume, like, are you just calling out your friends? Because they don't see those posts if you're not friends with them. So you're like, That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. My friend. stuff's public. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but oh, they've okay. got to be seeing your stuff. Like now, you've got everybody in your in your in your world going. I mean, I know I've read some things a couple times. I'm like, oh shit, she's talking about me. No, normally if I'm talking about it, the person is they're there, they're looking, they're a friend, oh. and they know I'm mm. talking about them. Oh shit! And if they they're know. bold enough, they can write in the comments, but they never do. Well, then you go back and forth. You gotta you gotta reach out like one on one. You gotta give a phone call yeah, if I feel like it. Yeah. Nate I'm, wants Nate wants to beat up on some Hispanic guy that is an intern at, like, the sports station here in town because he went after our friends. They just had a tragedy. They just lost uh, somebody in their life to COVID. And this is one of those anti-COVID guys, I guess. Oh. And um, and Nate's, he was like, did you see this shit? I was like, I don't even know who the fuck this guy is. He's like, he's an intern at the, the AM sports station or something. I was like, who the fuck cares what he has to say that? And, 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 and Oh, no, he's a host and producer. What does he host? Um, some, uh, it's some fantasy football show. Actually, you should have him on your show and then trash him. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be battling fantasy football dudes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, but anyway, he made, I guess he had a dick move and went after, you don't, however you feel about something, if you, especially if you don't know them, you know, you like, well, your you opinions to yourself. well, you just don't go. I mean, somebody just had a tragedy. You don't go uh, publicly and go after, especially, I mean, especially now, now I guess if you're kind of like playing the uh, old school radio tough guy, let's start a battle. But the person that he's going after is not going to do that. <laughs> you're picking the wrong person. It's just a dick move. Like in the eyes, like now you're probably going to have your own little cult like following that believe in the anti, but they don't know what you're talking about. Right. So is it worth the hurt that you're piling on to a family that's already hurting uh, no, it's no, dumb. And nobody cares about it. I mean, like, I understand that there's a status of the bigger you are, more people care about your opinion. Like, you're a nobody. Nobody knows who the fuck you are. And so, like, you might think because five people like your shit, but nobody cares about what you have to say. You know, and unless it's positive. Say something fucking positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or don't say anything at all about when it comes to that. Now, you're going to have your opinions and you can, you know, fucking retweet news stories or whatever it is that you want to do. But, like, just don't be a dick. You know what I mean? So, but I guess he's trying to make a name for himself. You know, that's what, that's what interns do or whatever he is. He's your host. host of, that's not really a real job, by the way. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it was a shitty like, show they, on an AM station. Come on. Yeah. Well, I mean, they just lost uh, an uncle to COVID and yeah, he's horrible. coming in. Trying to tell, try, like, hours, like, after, and they're just posting about, like, we lost, you know, our uncle, da, 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 and then he's coming in trying to say, oh, he died from the vaccine, and just going at him. He's, like, one of those guys. It's just like, dude, come on. Like, what a, what a shitty person. Like, who does that? Well, people see that. and then, But, again, like, the, when you have somebody that no one cares about, then don't they, they don't care, you know, like, for better or for worse. Like, he could have said the opposite, and people probably wouldn't have cared. Just because that's how much of effect he has on people. Because he's uh, a nobody. I, I'm assuming, man, I'm, I could be wrong. This guy could be like the biggest fucking deal in, in the world. And like, I look, I've been this town for 10 years now. Never heard of the dude. So I, I have no idea who you're talking about. So we were in the same building with those guys for a while. So I don't know who the fuck he is. Um, and if I don't know you, then you're not important. You're a nobody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure you're a great guy. You just made a dick move. That's all. All right. Uh, oh, you like this one. Everything's better with the fuck. This is a good one. 
Whatever we do, it's better with ah! What? Everything's better with the ah! uh, And if you're ready to give a fuck about your health, then check out Chef Erica. EricaNicoleDay.com EricaNicoleDay.com. She's an experienced culinary medicine consultant and private chef with medical and high-end restaurant background. She's available for consulting on meal planning for weight loss, helping with medical conditions or strict macros for bodybuilding, fitness training. She knows her stuff. So if you are looking to maybe shed a few LBs and you're trying to figure out a way to do it, Uh, Even if you decide not to go with the meal planning, she can still kind of guide you in the right direction. She's definitely someone to talk to. uh, Chef Erica, ericanicoleday.com. Shark Tank. That's what this week's better with. I like put together a bunch of them before I went out of town. And I was like, we have not done Shark Tank yet. Uh, One of my favorite shows. I love Shark Tank, right? Uh, hopefully yeah. one day, if I can sell enough my court caddies, I can go on to Shark Tank. Shark Tank, Shark Tank. One of our last interviews on the radio was with Mr. Perfect, and we pitch the idea of the my court caddy, and he shot it down. He like, shot you down, like big the time. Asshole, he is. You know, yeah, Mr. Unperfect. But I, yeah, yeah. but I wouldn't. Imperfect. I wouldn't sign up with him anyway. I would go to either uh, Damon or uh, Cuban. That's who I'm going with. You know, yeah, I like them all better than Mr. Perfect. To be honest with you. So anyway, Shark Tank. So you guys are going to uh, gauge, right? You give me a scale of 1 to 10, yep. 10 being the best. And I got three clips, and the winner gets played again. Here's your first one. Hi, my name is Shane Fennell. The name of my company is Fuck Beasy. I'm seeking a $40,000 investment for 25% equity in my company. Now, for centuries, the common house broom has been a trusted tool to help people clean their floors. But it's only been good for one thing. And that's fucking. There we go. The fuck easy. Fucking brooms. That's the joke. All right, Nate. I like it. it. You could use a broom to fuck yourself, I guess, or somebody else. So uh, I will give that one a seven to start out. Seven to start. I don't know why I put a B for your name. I was wondering what you were going to name. Stop me looking over at my there. shit. If you <laughs> like, don't want me staring at your, a B? if you don't want me staring at your face, <laughs> stop looking at my writings. <laughs> Uh, I actually thought this was a, a good start. I like the placements in this one, and I love the ing. I don't know why I love that. I do. I'm giving it an eight. Yeah, look at that. I already wrote it down. I knew you were gonna say that. That's good. <laughs> <sighs> a little applause. Here we go. Second one. Go. Let's go fifty fifty. Let's go for Barbara. If you screwed this up for me, I'm gonna fuck you like a baby seal. Now listen. Let's get back to business here. They all end with the. Thought that was a good touch. <laughs> Mr. Perfect's going to fuck uh, Barbara like a baby seal. That's funny to me. Nate? <laughs> I, I really like that one. I'll give it an eight. I'm going up from the last one. Fucking a baby seal. It's wrong, but it's hilarious. Nikki? Uh, I gave that a, a seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. You don't like fucking baby seals? Uh, it wasn't impressive. Oh, shit. <clears throat> okay, well, a little plus. Uh, <laughs> here's the last one. I'm going to fuck my wife. I want to fuck your wife. You want to fuck my wife? Yeah, get her on the phone. I want to fuck! fuck. I'm actually the one who wears the pants in the family. I get that, but she'll she, tell you that. I'm not I'm not sure. You see how he's insulting you already? Just pull the cord on these two guys. Right, that was quick. Pfft, jab fucks. Fucking what? Get, fuck your wife. Fuck you. I'm going to fuck your wife. Nate? 
Uh, man, it is a good one, but I still think I like the last one better, Ooh. so I'll go back to a seven for this one. Wow, okay. Yeah. To me, I like this one the most, and it actually makes me want to actually watch the episode. I'm giving it a nine. A nine, yeah. meaning that we have a winner. <laughs> Woo! Win, win, win. Because of Nikki D. Yeah, here's the here's the winner. I'm going to fuck my wife. I want to fuck your wife. You want to fuck my wife? Yeah, get her on the phone. I want to fuck! I'm actually the one who wears the pants in the family. I get that, but she'll tell you that. I'm not. I'm not sure. You see how he's insulting you? Just pull the cord on these two guys. Oh, you won't fuck my wife. I'll fuck your wife. Yo, I'll fuck your wife. Get on the phone. Give me a fuck your wife. Sound like Rocky. Your fucking wife. I'm fucking your wives. All right, cool. Uh, podcastthebs.com. That is our website. If you'd like to subscribe, be a subscriber, a premium two percenter, you get the episodes released early. You get commercial free episodes. You get extra podcasts, uh, which will uh, include starting next week, the fantasy replacement show, our fantasy football show uh, with Moa, uh, three time Super Bowl champion, Randy Cross. And from FantasyFootballEmpire.com, your go-to source for fantasy knowledge, Jeff Bogus Bogus. He had a good draft the other night. We're in a couple drafts together. Uh, we have our two percenters draft, uh, or we did have our two percenters draft. That went well. So, uh, so yeah. So, you know, subscribe, you know, $4.99 a month. You get a lot of shit. A lot of shit. We work hard for your $4.99, right? You want a discount next time I see you, I'll give you a buck. It's on me. I'll buy you a coffee or something. Uh, the social media, all the channels off the website, subscribe to the YouTube. Lots of content up there. The Instagram, the TikToks, the Twitter bug, you know, the Twitter machine. Got to get on that. And then the Facebook. I, I found out with this new way of doing our social media that we are a very Facebook heavy podcast. Which is crazy because when I started this and I was getting some advice from my buddies, Tom and Dan, they stay away from Facebook or they did. They are on Facebook, but they said they, it's like, it's so toxic. And I was like, oh, I don't want that. Uh, and they were doing, I think more Twitter, but they're, you know, anyway, so that's <clears> it. <throat> I know you don't like the Twitter or Twitter, you know, it's, it's the Twitter's the Twitter, you know, Twitter's it's just an argument. It's, it's one big argument with everybody. It's not fun at all. It's confusing to me, to be quite honest with you. I look at my Twitter feed and I got all kinds of stuff in there. And now they give me stuff that I didn't even ask for. Like I'm getting news from common and I didn't even ask for it. <laughs> Just fucking there. Just already there. Uh, sign up for the newsletter that pops up when you go to podcast, uh, that, uh, I'll be sending one out here shortly. I said this yesterday podcast and pours two. We're just waiting for contracts. You know, that's the, this is why it's been going for so long. And I've been stalling. Uh, we got them this week. So they just have to be reviewed. That's all. And hopefully, by the grace of God, knock on wood, there's no issues. And we can sign them and we can send money. And then I can announce uh, our awesome events that will be happening in October. You premium two percenters, you'll have an opportunity for free tickets leading up to the event. So you want to get in on that. All right. Uh, if you're in the newsletter, you'll probably get the information before the podcast, you know, cause I can send that out, uh, just right out of the gates and, and do that. Also AtlantaGrillCompany.com, We have that sauce kit, you know, a bunch of really cool sauces. That's going to go to a premium two percenter here in the next week or so. All right. All the business, all, 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 all the housekeeping, you know, so they say 
That's out of the way. Uh, before going into a weekend, Nate, you got anything? Happy Friday, fuckers. Happy Friday, fuckers. Beer, chugs, and harmony. Hey. Harmony. Harmony. You can see that on the social as well. Nikki D? If I don't watch tennis in MTV, does that make me uncommon? All right, we're going to work on this with you. <laughs> Some of the stupid shit you're saying. <laughs> giving me PTSD. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, I don't know where Brandon went, but, you know, somebody has to pick up the slack. I know. That's true. That is true. Very true. All right, look, thanks for all the support. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know, appreciate it more than anything, and uh, you'll never know how much we appreciate it. So thank you for doing that. You're going to be doing some drinking over the weekend. We understand we get it, right? But if you've had too much, please do not get behind the wheel of a car. I've lost way too many friends like that. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.